idea, Mel. Now it's my turn. What are you doing? I'm tired of running away. Did Braveheart run away? Did Payback run away? It's time we showed those suits what we're made of. The heck is that? Well, the one on the left is Mel Gibson. I don't know who the other two guys are. Will you please tell me the rest of the plan? It's your plan from Braveheart. Your army moved the enemy until they could take no more and surrender. No, they didn't. They attacked us in a horribly bloody battle. Remember? Actually, I didn't see it, but on the poster... It's... Homer, are you okay? I think so. No. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. We've finally made it. We're here. It is season 11. I'm excited. Today we're here to review Beyond Blunderdome episode AABF23. I am Dando. I'm joined right now by, I, I think, Mitch? Have you... Have you Change your hair? No, I'm, I know I'm looking a lot more handsome and also a lot more round. I'm not the lean, mean Mitch that you used to. No, folks, uh, stepping in for Mitch Grinder, coming off the bench hot, is uh, me, Guy Davis. Guy Davis, you're <laughs> finally here, sir. I'm very excited. Finally here in the full-time position. Got kicked upstairs, made it to the A-team, feeling very, very uh, very proud, very excited, very happy to be here, i got to say. You look happy. I, I am. <laughs> it makes I'm, me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere Mitch is smiling and, well, you know, F that guy. No, no, no. <laughs> Look, I, I think I said on the on the previous episode that on it's an honour and a bit of a daunting task to sort of, you know, slide into the seat occupied by Mitch and I only hope that I can uh, do the do him proud, do you proud and do right by the listeners. So, uh, well, the patrons love you. Well, I love the patrons. Well, you, you've been on a few of the, um, the patron podcasts, but there's thousands upon thousands of listeners out there right now who probably have never heard your voice before. So, maybe you should uh, give them an insight into who Guy Davis is. An insight into Guy. Yeah. All right. Settle, settle in, folks. <laughs> no, there's not a whole lot to tell. What can I, what can I tell um, you? are experiencing the movie reviewing business and- what, 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 what then, you gotta, then I've got to say how actually long I've been creeping around on the planet and, and reveal that I'm an old, old man. Yeah, but you've got to explain what you're going to bring to the table because it's a lot. Okay, then. This guy, listeners, has more movie knowledge than any person you will ever meet. I wouldn't go quite that far, but certainly more than Dando's met. But uh, <laughs> Dan and I were actually sitting next to one another the first day yeah. that I went to uh, work at uh, a place I used to work at. I don't know if we're uh, Pop Culture's our sponsor. Of course we can say Pop Culture. Hey, Pop Culture. <laughs> the, the purveyor of all things uh, pop and cultural. Yes, it's a, a good shop and I highly recommend you buy stuff from them, particularly, I don't know, Funko Vinyls or whatever. It was pretty much <laughs> like you were on the, the first day on the job. You're like, excuse me, can you show me how to do this, please? <laughs> and then you can you show how this software works. <laughs> Uh, is your name Brendan? Call me Dando. Everybody calls me Dana. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> two weeks later, how do I do this? Remember those notes I wrote out for you? I've lost them. <laughs> that actually never happened. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably like, I've forgotten how to do it. Oh, actually, no, Dana did teach me how to use Photoshop, which I was very happy did with. Did I? I don't even know how to use it, though. Well, I'll just wing I, it. I, I, I didn't say you taught me well. <laughs> But uh, no, that's that's how Dan and I got started. But then uh, he would ask about 
say, have you seen such and such? I said, oh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, directed by so-and-so and it's got that guy in it who was also in this, which is pretty good. And, yeah, if you like that, you might want to check this out also. And, and I went, cha-ching. <laughs> I was like, I can use this. <laughs> I, I, I can monetize this. So, um, and, and then, you know, Dan, of course, wouldn't shut up about this podcast he kept doing. I'm like, yeah, good on you. Good luck with that, mate. <laughs> and then one day he sort of slapped my face with a fat lot of 50s. I'm like, hmm. I can, I can monetize this guy, Dando. <laughs> and a mutually exploitative relationship has emerged ever since. No, no, I'm, it's, it, look, it's been my, uh, my great pleasure to appear on a few sort of, um, reviews that we did for the, uh, yeah, I guess for the patrons. We did the Movie Guy podcast. The Movie Guy um, podcast, which we're going to keep doing. Yeah. We now um, do Talking Seinfeld as well on we Patreon. Talking Seinfeld, and we've done a few other bits and pieces along the way, a couple of commentaries. And Take It Like, like a Mandalorian. Take It Like a Mandalorian. Yes. Um, that was good fun. That was sort of like our first chance to do a proper podcast together, wasn't it? It yeah. was, and I think it rolled very, very nicely. We're yeah. looking forward to uh, resuming that if and when The Mandalorian ever comes yeah. back. Well, it's, it, it's finished production, so I'm assuming it will be coming back at this normal time. I think so. I think they've just sort of pulled the pin for like, uh, you know. Oh, so they haven't finished filming everything yet? Oh, maybe they're doing post-production or something like okay, that. Okay, cool. Yeah, yep. but e- either way, I mean. You know, we need more Baby Yoda in our life, or Yodito, as we refer to him. We refer to him as Yodito. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's going to be more of that in the future. But uh, yes, in the meantime, with Mitch sort of searching out greener pastures, I've decided to- uh, Take over in the in the meantime. When I say the meantime, I mean forever. <laughs> <laughs> guy, uh, look, guy. Uh, Mitch sent me a message today. He goes, "So now I'm not doing the podcast and cricket's been cancelled. I don't know what to do anymore." <laughs> that, that's on you, man. <laughs> Feel free to come back anytime. Well, not anytime, but you know, let us know when you're dropping by, and you know, maybe we'll be here. Special guest. Mitch yeah. Grinter. No, <laughs> Welcome no, back. Back but by popular what, demand. What did we do this week on in the Patreon group on fourth on our Facebook? We asked the patrons, new season, new show, new co host, what do you what do you want us to change? What do you want us to tweak? What do you want us to completely get rid of? Like what, what this show is for you guys, what do you want? And they told us things like more in depth analysis on the episode, which I agree with. I feel like the last maybe few episodes we probably didn't Give them the episodes the respect they deserved. We thought it was skimmed through them, so it was going to be a big. Well, this is the best episode for you to start with because you're the movie guy, that and is this it. is a very movie based episode. Um, so we're going to go really in depth reviews. Also, new names. So you'll be aware that each week we ask the patrons for their new names, but we're going to be up in the ante this season. So guys, going to run through his the new names that get read out, the ones that didn't make the cut, like the ones that aren't as great as the best. But they're also mm. going to pick your top three we and are. give them one, two, three votes. At the end of each week, there's going to be a leaderboard. At the end of the season, whoever's on top of that leaderboard wins himself a prize. A prize? Yes. And speaking of prizes, we're going to be giving away a monthly prize draw, a $50 Pop Culture E gift card at the end of this episode. So, stay tuned for that. You've got to see Dando's eyes going wide here. I mean, he is just- <laughs> He's like a kid in a candy store. Just like, oh, we got to give away stuff. And Well, I love giving away stuff. It's great fun. And the patron mailbag, by the way, guys, we're going to be switching up a bit. Instead of the patron mailbag being uh, before the review, they're now going to be after the review. So, if you just listen to this show for the episode dissection- you're going to love that because you can listen to us, give our thoughts, dissect the episode. If you don't want to hear the mailbag, that's fine. You can switch off. I highly recommend you stay tuned because it's going to be great times. Stay, yeah, stick, stay stick around for the whole episode. But the patron mailbag is going to be after the review. There's a lot to take in. <laughs> You're sitting there going, I don't know what to do with this anymore. <laughs> this is a very fast moving machine. I'm just sort of like running, I'm like a hobo running alongside a freight train trying to you know, get on board and find a place to sleep for the night. Yeah. We're well aware that out there in the real world, there's this thing called the coronavirus going on. And we could talk about it, 
But we're not going to, because this podcast is a chance to escape from that reality. It exists. You are probably self-isolating or quarantining right now. And we're going to provide you with something to listen to in the meantime. Not just this show, but other shows as well. There'll be Talking Seinfeld. There'll be some movie-related stuff. Yeah. Uh, there'll be Simpsons commentaries going back to the very, very beginning of the show. Yeah, available now on Patreon. Yeah. Mm. And um, I'm not exactly tech-savvy, but Dan was going to apparently teach me how to uh, organise my laptop. So, we don't even have to be in the same room. So, you know, we could be... Both Finally. Thank you. I'm sick of looking. Ten minutes and I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop breathing on me, man. Uh, well, we're, but- we're probably going to need that, though. Realistically, <laughs> at some stage, yeah. you know, our, one of our elected officials is going to say, "Stay inside." But you know, we may be sitting on our uh, respective couches or whatever. One night, like oh, I'm thinking about watching, I don't know, John Wick Chapter Two. Want to load it up and we'll uh, record a commentary with the patrons? Yes, let's do that. Yeah. And, you know, we may be doing things like that. I'm not making any promises. So, the, the game <laughs> plan basically is to pump out as much content as possible. And put it in your ears. So, your thoughts on Beyond Blunderdome. As I said, the perfect episode for you to kick off with. I think opinion. so. Yeah, look, it's an enjoyable one, absolutely. And, I mean, I think getting an A-lister to play themselves and also, more, more importantly, sort of take the piss out of themselves. That's the key. Uh, playing themselves. Everyone knows Mel Gibson. Yeah. Just having be Mel Gibson, because he was the one of the biggest stars in Hollywood at that point. Oh, so, goodness, yeah. yeah. I mean, 2000, yeah. Oh, I mean, he had three consecutive hits at the box. Was, was it Braveheart? That was like five years earlier. So that was 95, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. This is 1999. I think he made Payback, which I think did quite well. well this, this came- Yeah, this came in 99, you're right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. but in 2000, he had- uh, He was a voice in Chicken Run. Was he really? I didn't yeah, know that. He was, okay. he was Rocky the Rooster. When was he What Women Want? What, when was that? That was, that was also yeah. in 2000. And he also had, oh, what's the other one? I also did like Ransom. Give me back my son. Oh, no. <laughs> Fantastic movie. I was going to watch that last night, and then, uh, but I watched the original Mr. Smith Goes to Washington instead. I did see that, yeah. Yeah, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, I think he was also in The Patriot, which is- Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's not only three hits, but that's three hits in three sort of different styles as well. I mean, yeah. he's in a kids' movie, he's in a romantic comedy, and he's in a big sort of historical drama. He is and the he, man. And he's, yeah. yeah, and he's nailing it in all of them, and he's very charming in what women want. So, for him to sort of be successful in all those, yeah, like, Gibbo is kind of riding high at that stage. So, to get someone on board like that, to get them to play themselves, to get them to take the piss out of themselves- that's, you know, That was great as well. He was yeah. so willing to just poke fun at himself. Absolutely. That sort of shows that The Simpsons is pretty much announcing its return with authority. It's like, yeah, you know, we're back and we've got Mel Gibson. I mean, yeah. look, the showbiz kind of piss-taking as well was- The Simpsons have done that before. They yeah. have, yeah. And it was fun, but- uh, also, I mean, this is the start of the 11th season, right? I mean, yeah. the show's kind of part of the establishment now. It's part of the furniture. Yeah. And, you, know, you can only- This is where people say the golden era ended. I'm like, I hate that term, the golden era. I mean, every show's always usually better, or it's always better at the start. Absolutely. Like, yeah. it, it never stays that good forever. But right now, I think it's in the middle of a really solid, confident run. Yeah. It sort of knows what it is. It knows people are watching. And- Everyone was- Not everyone was talking about The Simpsons, but it was just it was just part of society. By Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you could sort of start saying, no, oh, oh, you could probably do it before. Like going, excellent. Just, yeah, just or so going, Simpsons. Oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, and people aren't even going to sort of point at you, ah, I'm a Simpson. It's just, they just not. It's just life. Yeah, yeah, it's just part of the part of the vocab. I think they actually show that, well, look, I'm making a stretch here, but they sort of allude to it at the very, very start with the couch gag. They rock in and it's all sort of, it's the new classic version of the Simpsons that we sort of oh, all yes. recognise. From and the Ullman yeah, shorts. But they're, yeah, but they're looking at the, the very early Simpsons. The Ullman like, shorts, yeah. Yeah, it's like. Oh, yeah. God, we've moved on a bit, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. So, it's like, yeah, these are the Simpsons, you know, I love them. This is what it used to be. It's not that anymore. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of announcing this is what it is. 
but you know when you're that sort of established and you're that sort of part of the furniture it's a little hard to your teeth aren't as sharp as they used to be this is around the time that um not to draw comparisons too much but i mean south park was kind of on the rise at this time that's and, why i always feel like south park was the one that sort of drew viewers away from the simpsons yeah, so it was the edgy funnier yeah and did, did, did was i say a, funnier i guess it was funny to a particular uh, audience absolutely yeah. yeah it was it was a show that adults could feel like it was more for them yeah and I mean, it was the one that was starting to appear on like the cover of Rolling Stone or That's whatever. True, yeah, yeah. And as a, the South Park movie come out in '98. No, that, that's, uh, bigger, longer, and un- uncut came out in '99. '99. So, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I think the show had been. Well, going the show started '97, '98, didn't it? I reckon. Yeah, yeah. it was around that time. And so. it just skyrocketed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Simpsons is kind of the man at this stage, and you know, yeah, and uh, and South Park is kind of the uh, rascal up and comer. Yeah. Look, not yeah, but I said. This is a Simpsons podcast. We're talking about the Simpsons, and yeah, yeah. this is a this is a very good episode. I mean, it's a it's a fun episode. It's sort of wised up. It's sort of it. I think it asked it was the outra- audience. It was outrageous, but not too outrageous. Yeah, I mean, there's a few sort of having a little fart gag from Marge. Like, oh, wouldn't have seen that coming yeah. or heard that coming, and you know, a few others. And uh, yeah, Nicholas thing. Fun. Nicholas never farted in front of me ever. For real, never. Oh, she just won't do it. I'm like, I want you to do it. Just, just do it. She's like, no, yeah. no. I've always said. <laughs> Probably more important than the first kiss is the first fart. Yeah. And she's, that's what I, mean. I feel like the relationship isn't complete yeah. until she farts in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was in a relationship for two years and I never farted in front of, the, in front of my- Oh, really? Yeah. And I think, that's, I think that's one of the things that kind of broke us up. <laughs> and not, not the fact that like, I've got to get out of here and fart. It's more like- She doesn't trust you. <laughs> I didn't try. Uh, maybe I didn't trust myself. I don't know. That, that's between me and my therapist. But um, I know that when I started seeing my new girlfriend, it's like, at some stage, certainly not in the first fortnight, but maybe in the f- before six months is up. You think you're going to fart in the first six months? I think you do. Deliberately? And or just like, go, do you, like when you do it, do you apologize and go, oh, sorry, I didn't. Oh, or, well, you, or do you, just, well, you certainly say- Or do you like, just throw it out there and just see what happens? Well, I think you say, <laughs> excuse me. <Yeah. laughs> like, a, like a human being. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I don't think you can- just sit there and be uncomfortable and sort of squirm and get all bloated and everything. I think you just have to let it out and say, I think we're at this stage of our relationship now. And if, you know, and if the other person <laughs> says, you're a monster, get out. I never want to see you. And it's like, oh, well, this was clearly not meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, no, it's, it's the great leveler. It's the great equaliser. It is. So, yeah. And I mean, um, how do we get to talking about that? Oh, because Marge farted. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> and Nicola did not. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You actually mentioned how Gibson- Clearly, one of the biggest stars in the world at this point. They wanted to start with the bang. This episode actually had one of the lowest ratings of the season. I think season eleven was apparently a quite a well-rated season, but this was, was slightly below the average. Well, this got an eight point one. Mm-hmm. Now, the two episodes after this, I believe, went down like to a seven, then to a six, okay. and then Trials of Horror came, and then it started picking up again. Okay. It got as high as like eleven. Oh, okay. In this season. I think it averaged out of something like eight, five, mostly eight, about six, about eight mid eights. Yeah. So yeah. this was about the average, but yeah, I was just surprised that Mel Gibson at that mm. point in time you thought would have been. Much higher. Maybe. Considering it was the season premiere as well, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people think Treehouse of Horror is kind of the the one you sort of come back to was the return well, episode. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I guess so. But that, that's the one that, if you're a Simpsons fan, you just know the Treehouse of Horror episodes are going to be good. Mm. You, you, you tune in every other week. You're like, oh, this could be good. This could, might not be. Treehouse of Horror always delivers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you hear why uh, Gibson actually agreed to do this? His kids are big His fans. His kids are big fans. And I feel like that's why he really put in a lot of effort. Because I've read that he came back and did three retakes and he actually recorded with the, the cast. I did. I did. Uh, which is, oh, I love that. I wish there was footage of that. Yeah. It's a, it's a real sort of a, it's just a cool move. Yeah. Look, I don't know how many would have done it via Skype or say, no, I need the recording booth all to myself or whatever. But uh, well, back then it wouldn't have been Skype. It would have just been some it other. Would, some other <laughs> it would have been over the phone. Fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a fax. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that's yeah, a pretty cool move on his part that he and and it's very sweet. There's like, oh yeah, I'll do it for my kids. I mean, yeah. So you always wonder, you know, when some action star or some movies, I was like. Why are you in that kids' movie, or why you know mm. why are you the voice of the Iron Giant, or whatever? It's like oh, I did it from a kid. And so, like, you can actually just admit that you wanted to be in a kids' movie as well. Yeah, yeah. like Vin Diesel, it's okay. If, if Vin Diesel just said because I wanted to be the Iron Giant, you'd be like, "Fuck oath, you want to be the Absolutely. Iron Giant?" That's a pretty wise move, there, Vin. <laughs> I think that him being in the studio with the cast as well would benefit the cast because it allows for improv with Gibson. Sure, I'm not sure if any of this was improv, but it just opens the door for that to happen. Well, even if it's not, uh, you know, improving lines or anything like that, it's just a good opportunity to sort of uh, bounce better off the other actors Chemistry as well. going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're just recording dialogue and not hearing the return, it's just like, I know, the, re- yeah. the readings wouldn't be as- It's a lot harder on the editor to sort of cut it so it's like, oh, yeah, these two are- So, yeah. it feels like it, yeah. yeah. So, the jokes actually work. I just think it's great that The Simpsons, as a show, is able to create that connection with, for Gibson and his kids. Like, it's something they can always look back on. Yeah. Like, he he did this for his kids, and the Simpsons were able to create that opportunity for him. (laughs) Absolutely. I also appreciated how the Springfieldians treated the Hollywood folk like they were a big deal. Like, that's how it would happen. Like, small town, if Hollywood came to do a big Mel Gibson in 2000 or 99 Mm. uh, premiere screening, or not premiere, test screener. Like, even, like, the executives, they're, like, standing ovation fan. It's like, oh, well, should have brought the camera. I just thought that that's exactly how it would go down. Oh, yeah. Look, as, as someone who's attended a lot of preview screenings and uh, of, of movies and things like that, there's always some, maybe not studio executive, but always a PR person who sort of gets up beforehand and says, usually, like, 19 or 20 or something. Okay, it's yeah. Their, it's their first job. Like, Welcome to our preview screening of RoboCop 4. <laughs> it's It stars so-and-so and such-and-such and was directed by Thone, though. <laughs> it's rated M, and it comes out this Thursday. Uh, hashtag RoboCop 4 on your social media. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's a bit cruel, but that's honestly what it sounds like. And, so, and you don't know whether to clap at the end. <laughs> I mean, you've got to leave. Boo, get a haircut. <laughs> Don't give up your day job. But, um, but yeah. Can you please boo next time? <laughs> Just boo and see what happens. But, yeah, it's it's so uh, – I, I, that's one of the aspects that I really liked about this. Because, yeah, I've seen – and you can tell when a movie or, or a studio or, or whatever has really high hopes for a movie because the bigwigs will come down from Sydney. Okay. It's like, hi, I'm so-and-so from the Sydney office. Yeah. And, you know, we're really proud of, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 6. We haven't um, sent the intern down this time. No, yeah. no. It's not, it's not the chump working in the uh, working the, in the second-rate Melbourne office. No, it's the, <laughs> yeah, it's the they've flown all the way down and you're among the first uh, first people in the world to see this one. So, you know, let us know what you think and blah, blah, blah. It's like, Wow, they're really, you know, they're pushing this one. If they've got, you know, a dude in a tie coming down. You actually so, mentioned Avengers there. Robert Dan- Guardians of the Galaxy, but- okay, close, Sorry, Guardians close, of the Galaxy. Close, it close makes me think of Avengers. Robert Downey Jr. appears in this episode. That's- What yes. a great turnaround this is. Gibson's now in that position. <laughs> or not, he's, he's made a bit of a comeback now. But we should probably well, t- we should, touch on that. Well, we should, yeah, because, I mean, I know we're sort of talking about what goes on in the episode, but there's so many sort of offshoots yeah. in this. But like, yeah, like I mean- Gibson was the biggest star, or one of the biggest stars in the world at that point in time. Robert Downey Jr. was well off track. Robert, Jr. Robert Downey Jr. had been in jail. Yeah. So he had been- Mitchell's been in- he woke up in a child's bed once or something? He did. Yeah. I mean, he was so- we uh, we putting the swears into this? Of course you are, man. Oh, he was so fucked up on drugs that he just went to not his house, but someone else's house and fell asleep in a kid's bed. And, uh, you know, the family, there's a stranger in a bed. Hey, it's the 
the Academy of Course. It's the Iron Man. <laughs> it's the Oscar-nominated star of Chaplin. Um, and I mean, what would you do if you found him in your bed? Look, I'd like to say I'd like to say I'd be all cool about it, but look, initially I'd be terrified. Who is a stranger in my house? <laughs> then to make things even stranger, it's someone who's not a stranger. It's like, aren't you the star of Less Than Zero? You know. <laughs> You know, haven't I seen you in Air America opposite, you know, America's sweetheart Mel Gibson? <laughs> These are all movies he was in, by the way. I mean, uh, so you'd be kind of like, yeah, am, am I on drugs now or is this guy on drugs? Yeah, yeah. I think this guy in the bed is definitely on drugs, but I might be on some as well. So, um, but, but since this episode aired, obviously, Danny Jr. is now one of the biggest stars in the world. Absolutely. But, I mean, uh, Gibson and Dan and RDJ had this real kind of- Solid relationship for Did a very really? long time. Okay. Well, they they appeared together in this film Air America. There was, there was yeah. like um, I think it was about it was made in 1990, released in 1990, and they were sort of like these two pilots in um, in Vietnam who operated as part of this covert airline called Air America that sort of shuttled in in, in supplies in and out and sort of smuggled drugs and all that kind of stuff. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. But um, apparently they got along famously, and you know, Danny sort of went downhill during the 90s, you know, and just, you know, was having too much fun with his recreational substances and all that. Was he big star and then he went downhill or did he sort of never reach his potential? He was a star on the rise and uh, he was, yeah, he played Charlie Chaplin in this movie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. It was around 92 or so. Got nominated for an Oscar, but everyone was like, this guy's really, really good. And I don't know if he's a, like an above, oh, he, he was in, like he starred in a lot of movies, but he's like, yeah, is this guy, you know, really ever going to break through? We know he's really talented. We know he's charismatic, but- yeah, there's something not quite, you know, yeah. And then, you know, things started to fall off the rails a bit. I mean, as I said, he actually did time in, in on two separate occasions. He did six months in um, L.A. County Jail. and then Possession a, or something? Or? Yeah, something along those lines. And then he did like a year. Well, he was sentenced to three years and he got out after a year in some other- So, a serious, like- Yeah, yeah. Not, a year's not that long, but it's no. long enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. And I mean, I think at some stages he was actually like in general population. I mean, he was like in there with- it wasn't at Club Fed. He was in some hardcore joints, so yeah. to speak. Uh, but all all that time, and once he got out, and once he sort of started to try and resurrect his career, Gibson, who was on the high at this stage, was like, "Look, this guy's good." And I think Gibson hired him for a few things, just took him under his wing, kind of. Yeah, or? and you know, and tried to straighten him out because I mean, Gibson's got his own sort of demons, as we know. I mean, I, the man likes a drink. That's doing my research into this. Uh, there was a stage, you know, when he was. Gibson was probably at the height of his success. He was, like, making lethal weapons and all that kind of stuff. But he was having, like, five pints in the morning. In the morning? Wow. Yeah, five five beers for breakfast. And still, you know, getting the job done and everything like that. I mean, the guy who made lethal weapon apparently was, like, shocked to learn that, he, you know, his star was drinking this much beer this early in the morning and then going out and, you know, playing. Delivering up. still. Both and, delivering the, and, yeah. and delivering the goods. So, I think he's got a lot of sympathy for people who like that. And apparently, he's done that to a few other people as well. You know, he's sort of reached out and said, look, I know you're wrestling with uh, with problems, with demons, with addictions or whatever. If you want to talk, I'm here for it. Because, you know, he's also a bit of a hardcore Christian. He obviously believes in redemption, all that kind of stuff. I know he's got a lot of other- <laughs> That's the good stuff on the ledger. There's bad stuff in the yeah. ledger as well. But, yeah, as far as Danny was concerned, he was like, yeah, this guy's a real talent and, you know, we shouldn't write him off. And I think Danny returned the favour a few years later when, you know, he was on top of the world and Gibson was kind of like persona non grata. And I think Danny actually said in front of a crowd like at the Golden Globes or something, he's like, Mel Gibson's good stuff, guys. We shouldn't write him off. <laughs> Not that Gibson actually- It's like full circle. Yeah, pretty much. Not that, you know, Gibson was like sleeping in a ditch or anything like that. The dude's worth 500 million bucks. Yeah, but, but he's- <laughs> His stock was just gone. It's, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't sort of like 
on and on A lists or anything like no. that. It was sort of like he'd made his money, but no one wanted to touch him anymore. Yeah, it was like there was a stigma with him. Yeah, even though. Even just a few years ago, I mean, he directed that war movie, Hacksaw Ridge. Which apparently is fantastic. It's it's very good. It's very violent. Okay. I mean, it's, I mean that's the other thing that Mel likes. Mel likes violence. Which Braveheart. Is, yeah. yeah. Well, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah. In this <laughs> yeah. um, so, do you think that was sort of like a play on who he is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean- Do you think like he just- He loves the violence. Not, not that loves violence, but he, yeah, lo- he loves the violence in films. He yeah. loves that kind of action bravo. Yeah. And I think, he likes, I think he likes having it inflicted on him as well. You'll, I mean, he sort of- like, certainly punches up and shoots a lot of people in his movies, but he really takes it as much as he gives it out. He's always, you know, getting whipped or beaten or shot or whatever. And the, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a rare, you know, it's a rare Mel Gibson movie where he's not sort of bloody and battered by the end of it. Probably what women want. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the exception. Uh, sorry, we're talking a bit about, we've sort of gone off, off tangent a bit, but yeah, maybe Robert Downey Jr. is in this uh, with the, the gag shootout, that, uh, yeah, yeah uh, I don't see any cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been really funny at the time, but I feel like people who, who there's going to be people out there who are watching this episode for the first time. Why are you taking the piss out of RDJ like why, that? Why is he having a shootout? Yeah. yeah. No, but it's, he was on a bad path. He was indeed. I mean, I think it was around this time that he just started to make a little bit of a comeback. Well, um, is his comeback as Iron Man the greatest comeback in Hollywood history almost? It is one of the great turnarounds, absolutely. Yeah, I did like that uh, That little Downey Jr. Uh, it was like, ah, oh, it's a shootout. Yeah, I don't see any cameras. <laughs> listeners out there right now, they're going, fuck, he wasn't lying. He knows a lot about fucking films. Uh, <laughs> also, will he shut up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we must also mention how good Jack Burns was in this as he Edward was, Christian. He was indeed. Now, I don't know if I'm sort of getting ahead of myself here, but or if it's something we want to say for- Trivia stuff or whatever, but yeah. Jack Burns's name, his character name is Edward Christian. The yeah. two PR people's names are Robin Hanna and William Milo. These are all the names of Gibson's kids. No shit. Yeah, Robin is was his ex-wife. Yeah, and I think all the others are the names of his kids. Milo is certainly one of his kids. Uh, William Christian, Hanna is his daughter, and uh, what was the other one? Um, Edward. Edward. Yeah, they're all his kids from his first marriage. Fuck, I did not know that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a, so, yeah, I mean, again, it's a nice kind of- uh, I guarantee you there's not a fucking listener right there that would have put the two into it. Well, maybe there was someone out there, but well, I must have, admit, you have to be a pretty hardcore Mel Gibson fan to know that fact. I, I, only, I only knew about- I remembered Milo because it's a slightly unusual name and also a tasty beverage. But um, <laughs> I wonder if you got Milo overseas, surely. Do they have Milo in England? I have to ask Nick last yeah. podcast. Uh, for our for our uh, international listeners, it's like uh, Bisquick, or it's 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 the adding of chocolate to milk. That's <laughs> what it is. So, uh, but it's a little crunchy as well. Milo's good stuff. If you can, I don't know. If if C nineteen is not has not stopped, you know, importing and exporting, you know, get some Milo. I'm pretty sure Amazon Australia will send you some. For some reason, when I was a kid, I felt like if I was going to go for a bike ride, I should have a glass of Milo first. They did a re- again. We're talking about good branding. The fact that yeah. Mars is able to say a Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play, as opposed to it's a chocolate bar, and Mi- <laughs> yeah. and Milo is the stuff that you know it's like it's going to give you energy. It's like it's chocolate milk. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's no, it's nice chocolate it's milk. Got sugar, sugar, yeah, <laughs> sugar and milk. Yeah, that's the energy it's giving. It's, it's um, yeah, it's a, just a fake energy boost. But yeah, um, but yeah. Jack Burns as Christian was it was great. good. Yeah, he was yeah. good stuff. I mean, I did like that. Um, one of my favorite gags was just when he's like, oh. Yeah, he's a dummy, but no, he's good at the box office. Huh? Awkward pause, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it needs that. Um, I can't remember the episode that it was on, but it, there's the stand. You know, Simpson had a lot of stand-up comedy yeah, bits, yeah. but there was the one guy who kind of 
I think about crazy stuff. You know, what if E.T. and so-and-so, whatever. Oh, yeah. And he does that little gesture at the end with the hands. Phone like, home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, give it up, give it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it need, you need to sort of cut in that guy every every now and go, come on, yeah. give it up. <laughs> give me something. Here. Give me that. Huh? Huh? <laughs> but he, he was good. That was a, yeah. He was a part of a, um, a comedy duo, I believe. Yeah, every Schreiber. Every, yeah. There was someone prior to that as well. But the whole um, where he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. I didn't know what was going on there, but Wikipedia, I learned there, that was that was their shtick. One of their, one of yeah. their uh, little catchphrases, yeah. Yeah. There was also a lot of uh, Mel Gibson film references in this. There were indeed. Yeah. We had the Braveheart poster in the um, in the studio office. Um, we had him driving the Mad Max 2 car, which we'll go into more detail later, which I thought was fantastic. I, I'm going to be very sort of pedantic about that. But, uh, yes, we'll get to that when we get to Ooh, that. Absolutely. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> what guy didn't like about the episode? Oh, no. I like plenty of stuff about the episode, but I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. I feel like the comic book guy, I'm not sure if that's actually correct. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, I'm getting too old for this crap. Yes. Uh, actually said by Danny Glover yeah. in the Lethal Weapon movies, but, you know, a good reference. Also, a shout-out to Payback, which is a good Mel Gibson movie, I've got to which say. Which one was, what was a shout-out to Payback? Oh, the, oh yeah. Does, does does Bra- pay- did Braveheart do that? Did did Payback do that? Did, did, did Payback run away or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, um, so the Gibson throwing the Senator badge at the end of the film is a reference to the ending of Dirty Harry. It is. Yes. I don't think U.S. Senators actually get badges that say U.S. Senator. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my favourite. Now, what was your favourite moment from the episode? Or moments? What, okay. what did you appreciate the most? What made you okay. chuckle okay. wholeheartedly? I did like Homer and Marge in bed after they've taken the electric car we for a test drive. We haven't yet. opened this drive. I liked all that bit. It just seemed weird. It, but then, some people look at that as lazy writing, but I appreciated it. I did, yeah. It's like, yeah, just, you know, we cut we, out the middle man. We, 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 we <laughs> make a joke out of it as Most well. shows would just do that. And like, sitcoms do that all the time where they'll something will happen out at the restaurant or whatever, but they won't talk about it until they walk in the front door. Yeah. It's like, what were you talking about between the restaurant and home? <laughs> that's what the, that's what they're acknowledging that here. Acknowledge how awkward it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and yeah, make it make a gag out of it. That was yeah. well done. But then uh, once the talk turns to Mel Gibson and uh, Marge is getting sort of noticeably turned on, I did like the line about, well, you or Lenny have voted sexy in panel life. I'm not so sure about Lenny. <laughs> It's just, it's just great delivery by Mr. Ca- Castellaneta. Castellaneta. Was yeah. it Netta? Castellaneta? Castellaneta. Yeah. Great, great work by Dan. Yes. <laughs> Calling Dan going forward. Uh, look, I've got a yeah, list of faves here, but I think I've already talked about the PR people and how, yes, they get unwarranted applause sometimes. Need salt. <laughs> Don't and just everyone's kind of like, yeah, that's a great inside joke. It's yeah. like, it's not even a joke. <laughs> uh, the RDJ, RD, yeah, yeah, uh, Rob Danny Jr. Um, I did like the shot of man's Chinese theatre. Then the shot Chinese of the man's Chinese man's theatre, which is just not doing any business uh, at all. I'm just like, that, that, was that a joke that was meant to mean something or was it just meant to be a poor man's theatre? It, it's, it's just a dumb pun. It's just a dumb play. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's man's Chinese theatre and this is a Chinese man's theatre. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly not doing as and, well. And it's, like the, it's funny when, well, it's not funny, but you feel sad when you go to a restaurant. And like one business is booming, and then next oh, door the guy yeah. standing in front looking inside, going, "Why aren't you in my store?" Have you, yeah, I mean, um, they have that occasionally at um, Geelong reference for. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Oh, we love our local references here. Four finger discount. <laughs> when you're going down Little Malab Street in the sort of foodie district that's strung up recently, and you know, there's it's got Hot Chicken Project and Pistol Pete's and all these other sort of new places that are kind of hip and you know, Fancy. quite frankly, yeah. yeah, sell nice food. And there's one or two places that. Uh, uh, you know, selling international cuisine, and they'll sometimes have someone at the front saying, 
we would like some of this action too, you know. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you've been here for 20 years and I never, I haven't eaten it yet, so I don't think I'm about to start now. <laughs> I wish you all the best, buddy, but yeah, sorry, this, this is not happening for you. If there was a blind there, you'd pour it down. <laughs> you're, you're kind of walking by, <laughs> lifting up your collars. <laughs> Maybe he won't see me. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, it's always a bit sad, but yeah, yeah but I, I did like um, the whole man's Chinese the- yeah. Chinese man's theatre bit, and um, you know, we were talking about Gibson's sort of status in Hollywood now, and uh, yeah. I don't know how he's regarded by the new generation and all that. And there was just a, a nice line at the end where he's saying, "I guess there's no room in today's crazy, gentle America for violent dinosaurs like us," mm. and. That sort of is the case. I mean, it's funny how some lines from twenty years ago can still be relevant now. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, look, Gibson's still making movies, some quite successful. I mean, Hacksaw Ridge, which we mentioned earlier, that mm. got nominated for a few Oscars. He was back, not front row at the Academy Awards, but but everyone was like, Mel's back. Well, they were like, yeah, Mel's back. You know, is, <laughs> is, is, is it okay for him to be back? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, has it been? He, he's got a lot of high end Hollywood friends who are saying. Look, he's actually the nicest guy. He probably just shouldn't drink. Yeah, well. it doesn't change people. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you've got some people say, oh, you know, when- as He's our, said some as outlandish our, shit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And he's done some outlandish shit as yeah. well. I mean, my line when I was writing reviews about Gibson's movies was, look, he's clearly a troubled and troubling did you, individual. Did you turn on him as a reviewer? I didn't. You didn't, know. Look, maybe it's a sign of low character on my part, but I mean, I'm a big believer in separating the art from the artist for the okay. most part. Look, as long as the work he was doing was- well, you had to review was, the work, weren't you? I was, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not my job to pass moral judgment on, on the person. I mean, if it if it bleeds into their work, absolutely sort of look at that. But no, for the most part, I was seeing how, say, the passion of the Christ sort of affected me as a as a person and as- That was fucking controversial, that movie. Absolutely. But it's also, you know, the thing that kind of made his fortune as well, because he put all his own money into it. That was a big risk. It. Yeah, that yeah. was a huge swing. Yeah. And, um, paid off. And, and one that paid yeah. off, absolutely. Yeah. But- uh, yeah, look, I, I can't condone some of the stuff that he's done after hours if it's if that's actually the way it went down. And, you know, there's evidence to indicate that certainly is the way it went down. Yeah. But no, I, I didn't turn on the guy. And, you know, I'm a I'm also a sucker for, a, <laughs> like Mel himself, I'm a believer in redemption. And, uh, I think the guy has redeemed himself to some degree. My favourite moments yes. were, I love Homer admitting that he checks for bombs in the toilet. He <laughs> <laughs> does, you know. <laughs> I never would have checked if there was a bomb in my toilet. <laughs> It was really. And the terrible Dan impersonation of Travolta. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I wrote that then as well. It's it's so terrible because, I mean- Come on, jeez. <laughs> well, we mentioned South Park earlier, and I mean, it would be a few years before um, they did their Trapped in the Closet episode where mm. they were sort of taking the mickey out of Scientology and all that. And they, I don't know who does the Travolta impersonation on that. It's probably Trey Parker, but it's really funny and yeah. it's really good. He's like, oh, come on, guys. You know, I mean, <laughs> Travolta's one of those guys- he's, he's, He's easy to do broad, but he's kind of difficult to nail. Yeah. Oh my god! You know, <laughs> it's got that kind of thing going on. I mean, that's that's a- everyone channels Grace Travolta. When Very they do much so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, yo, baby, you dig it the most, the Royale with cheese. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's nowhere near a good impersonation. But I mean, it's he's easy to sort of get in the ballpark yeah. of. But yeah, but you but, look- but dance that was just awful. Yeah, but it was so funny yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> that's yeah. You know, well. Oh yeah, so yeah, Gerald was back in the and certainly back in the public eye. General's state. daughter was like ninety eight ish. Yeah, yeah. So this is Swordfish po- was two thousand and one. So yeah, so this is General, yeah, General's daughter phenomenon. I think around that time. Yeah. yeah. So. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. Facts, Max. This was Mike Scully. Now Mike Scully 
is the showrunner at this point in time. Yes. Um, this was his first writing credit since taking over the show. Um, so, he wrote the episode. And a lot of people credit Scully for being the guy who created the jerk-ass homer. That's the term, jerk-ass mm. homer. The one that you don't like anymore. And there are elements of him here and there where he sort of says he doesn't like to spend time with his family and things like that. But I think overall, Scully produced a really solid story here that didn't require a B-plot or anything. It was just- Yeah. He, he nailed it, really. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you've got the electric car bit at the start and you think, oh, is this- Going What's, it, what's this yeah. going to be about again? But it's just the setup. And then from there on, the electric car is just, uh, is just gone. You're right about the jerk house homer thing. I mean, you know, certainly there are lines in here where, I mean, that whole thing about, see this ring? That indicates that she's my yeah. property. It's like- There were some cringeworthy moments, which we'll explain when we do a run through. But as Mitch and I have explained, though, this came out in 99. TV was different then. That would never fly now. Absolutely. But I don't think any sort of right-thinking person is going <laughs> to- Yeah, you tell him, Homer. It's like- it's no. not, Yeah, it's not designed for that. It's designed no. to make him seem like an idiot. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's the kind of line where it's like, <laughs> you really are a jerk sometimes. Aren't yeah. <laughs> now, Scully first met Gibson whilst writing jokes for a school a fundraiser along with his wife, Julie Thacker. Gibson and Daniel Stern were the hosts for said evening. Daniel Stern, the yeah. voiceover guy from the Wonder Years and, yes. and, and Home- City Slickers and, and other things. And Home Alone. And of course, Home Alone. Yeah. That's what every 90s kid knows him as. <laughs> <laughs> every 80s kid knows him as the, um, the co-pilot of the helicopter in the Roy Scheider uh, action movie Blue Thunder from 1982. Okay. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he wrote jokes for Stern and for Gibson. What a gig that would be. That would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Just rocking up to some sort of event and they need jokes. Would you feel sort of like overwhelmed or would you give it a crack? I think I'd give it a crack. Yeah. Why not, yeah. I guess? What's Mel Gibson going to do? <laughs> um, um, actually, yeah. It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask. Don't. <laughs> No, but I'd, I'd certainly take a whirl of that. Yeah, and the joke about him urinating behind a dumpster, that actually happened. So, Gibson heard that, read that line and thought, oh, how did you know that I do that? And they're <laughs> like, oh, no, we just wrote that in because we thought that'd be something ridiculous that for someone of your status to do. And he's like, no, that's what he used to, would do to avoid going to the public toilets. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's nothing worse than being bailed up at the urinal by some chump. Hey, everyone Wait, right what? over there. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which I actually did to Rob Lowe, if you, or you may have heard in a previous episode. Did you, did you tell me that? I told you the Rob Lowe story, didn't I? You bailed up Rob Lowe. I didn't bail him up. Here's the short version. I was I pissed next to Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, uh, I was in the National Geographic office uh, in Washington, D.C. This is about seven years ago. It was uh, to promote some- I was there uh, reporting on some show that he'd made where he played JFK. We, we had a nice lunch. I uh, went in to take a leak. So, wouldn't it be funny if Rob Lowe came in right now? And Rob Lowe came in right then. Is he as gorgeous in real life as he on TV? He's, he's a handsome devil. Yeah. Yes. That that Adkins diet that he's uh, advertising on TV is clearly working for him. Yeah. And, um, and he was very friendly. I mean, we didn't check out each other's junk or anything like that. But, you know, we had a, I said, hey, thanks for today. You considered it. I did. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but so how Just did, as he did, I'm sure. How do you approach- How did you start the conversation with him? Just- um, oh, well, he'd, he'd been doing some interviews and I said, look, thanks for your time today, man. And he's just <laughs> willing to chat to you for a bit? Absolutely. He was a, he was a perfectly nice fellow. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you can show your support by joining the family at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Here you'll get ad-free early access to all of our shows, Zoom calls with Guy and myself, as well as bonus podcasts such as Tales of Futurama and Guy on Springfield, where we go back and revisit classic episodes from the first 10 seasons. So go ahead and join the family today at patreon.com slash discount. Next question. You there, eating the paste. 
It's back. Trivia is back. It's your first time, so I figured I'll let you kick off. Oh, fantastic. I appreciate that. Okay, then. When uh, Mel and Homer are making their uh, desperate escape from the movie studio, mm-hmm. they burst through a poster of a movie called She's Having a Baby Again. Yes. This is a sequel that never happened to a movie that did happen. Well, there uh, was a film called She's Having a Baby. Okay. Who, <laughs> who, directed, who wrote and directed that movie? I have no idea. He's one of your favourites. Or one of them. Wrote and more so Spielberg. No. It's John Hughes. It, well, well, Home Alone, right? Like Breakfast Club. and Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of- He did Home Alone, though, didn't he? He did Home Alone. Yes, he wrote yeah, yeah. Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. He wrote Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, he wrote that first one because that sequel never happened. But it was, it was a funny visual, though, isn't it? Going through the- <laughs> It's a bit schoolboyish, but yes. It's pretty funny. <laughs> My first question is, Gibson stars in a remake of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. What year was that film released? That film was released in 1939. Well done. <laughs> it's actually in my notes here because um, there's a, a line in the show where they're talking about things were different in the 30s. They had every, they had plenty of time to listen. Everything was going great. And it's like, the 30s terrible? The 30s <laughs> was like the Great Depression and the start of World War II. And, you know, they had the Wizard of Oz, though. They did. They did indeed. It was 39 was a very good year for Hollywood. But, uh, yeah, that was the year of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which yes. I watched last night. Yeah. Did it give you any sort of like extra knowledge to talk about for this episode, or was it just not really? I mean, the the, the stuff in the uh, in the Senate uh, that uh, the the episode sort of takes the Mickey out of is you know pretty. Uh, it's it's a lot like that. I wrote on uh, on Facebook like this is like it was broadcast from another planet. It's very much about truth and decency and the American way and all this kind of business. And it's like I think we're a little more even. The movie's still kind of cynical about it. I mean, it talks a lot about backroom sort of double dealing and people politicians being in the pocket of big business and all that. But it's all you know, its message is very much like politicians are there to serve the people and to be decent and all this kind of stuff. It's like, oh man, <laughs> I did love that. Um, his granddaughter at the end. You were here for my lawyers. <laughs> What's your next question, Mister Davis? This is not really about this episode so much, but it is. Simpsons related and is Mel Gibson related because Ooh, okay. yes, a few seasons earlier, yes, uh, in a court case involving uh, Marge Simpson, uh, the lawyer prosecuting Marge was so uh, you know so, so certain of um, Marge's guilt. I am so confident of Marge Simpson's guilt that I'm going to waste the court's time rating the super hunks. I thought you were going to say they're not wearing a tie <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> also a good bit. There's all the stuff with Lionel Hudson and anything with courtrooms is usually pretty good. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Question. He held up two magazine covers. One had Mel Gibson on. Who was the other super hunk? Uh, Tom Cruise? It was Tom Cruise. Oh, what a yeah. guess. <laughs> Nicely done. Your next question, sir. My next question is, yours is so much more elaborate than mine. <laughs> <laughs> the best questions are the one you have to spend five minutes explaining. Yeah. Remember that episode from six seasons Season ago? ago. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, my second question is, what was the name of the film studio that Edward Christian was the head of? Was it Polystar? Polystar. Well done. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, they're at Polystar Studios. Uh, Rainier Wolfcastle is starring in a movie called Saving Irene Ryan. Yes. Just the uh, appearance of Irene Ryan on that uh, on that episode may give you an indication of the show that she's most famous for. But what was the TV show that she was most famous for? Beverly Hillbillies. There you she go. was the grandma. There you go. Yeah, she was. It was Granny. She was, she was Granny. Yeah, <laughs> I loved that show when I was a kid. I fucking loved it. I don't know. Like Five thirty in the afternoon on Channel Nine. It yeah. wasn't. I don't know if Irene Ryan, Irene Ryan ever did much else, but uh, yeah, she was. She certainly nailed the role of Granny on yeah. the Hillbilly. <laughs> uh, what car does Mel drive? Oh, you mean like the oh when they get when to, they when arrive they get at to the studio? Like, yeah, I want to say 
is it a Chevrolet? Is it a? It is a Dodge Caravan. Dodge Caravan. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies, listeners, if you can hear the little dude outside. He's just he's full of energy. He's full of beans. <laughs> <laughs> Next question for you, Mister Davis. Uh, they visit a car museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some stage, and uh, there are many famous Hollywood cars in there. Other than the Mad Max car that's in there, name two other cars. I can name more than two. Go to I think it. There's the Munster Mobile, the Flintstone Mobile, Duke of Hazard car, the Batmobile. Oh, for bonus points, what's the name of the? What's the actual uh, name of the Duke oh, of Hazard car? I should, I should, it's what is it? It's the General Lee. Lee, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Batmobile's in there. Obviously, the Mad Max one, like you said. Oh, there's another one though. Oh, oh, good Lord, you've done well here. No, you've got bonus points. <laughs> I, can't. Oh, I should know it. Mm, no. <laughs> what did I miss out on? Oh, I can't remember. I just- <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought you'd <laughs> you just like, you know, have them all listed there. Oh, not all of them. <laughs> I thought you'd go for the most obvious ones, like the Flintstones car and the Batmobile. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what was the name of the gate guard at the film studio? He says, so long. Gus. Gus, Yes. Now, is there- Oh, do I owe you one more? You owe me one more. Okay. Do you not have one more? That's okay if you don't have one more, because I've got one more. Well, you go with yours. Okay, and you'll think of one. And I will. Okay. My final question is, what did Marge use her last photo on? Oh, for the life of me, I can't remember. I'm sorry. Uh, someone who looked like someone. Oh, that man who looked like Judge Judy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. I do have a question. Yeah, two high-profile lesbians were sitting on a ben- on their uh, on their porch- one was Ellen DeGeneres. Who was the other one? Anne Heche. Anne Heche. Yeah, that was her pre-Porsche. It was, yeah. And I think Ellen clearly has a type. Yeah, that was, <laughs> by the way, one of the cringe moments. Yellow, it was. I'm lesbian. I'm like, oh. It was, but I mean, it did seem at that at that time that there was- um, They were on the covers of magazines a lot, sort of, yeah, not just saying we're a couple, but yeah, we're a lesbian couple. It's like- well, oh, so they were sort of like just kept they were very hi- they were yeah. very high profile about it, which is and that's actually pretty good. I mean, when I know we talk about how you know it was a different time and all that, but yeah, that that kind of representation really sort of did move things forward a bit. So that is trivia for this week. Well done, Mister Davis. Well done, Mister Dan. No, oh, oh, I shouldn't shake hands. No, no, we were about to. We nearly did. <laughs> Give a nice little, you. nice little wave across the table. <laughs> Play footies under the table. <laughs> now, Mister Davis, before we get into our review. Yes. Of Beyond Blonde Dome. We've got some shout outs to read out. And this review is brought to you by our beloved $20 patrons. We've got Jordan Mulman Ritchie, David Harrington, Christopher Darby, and Jared Howard. Thank you guys for your support. Also, we've got some new shout outs for $5 plus patrons. Would you like to read some names out for them? Absolutely. So we've got here $5 plus patrons. We'll start here. I'll kick off with Tim Whiffen. Who else have we got, Mr. Davis? Uh, Cody. Turn it. C O D I E? Yeah, Cody. That'll be Cody. There you go. Adam Wilkinson, Andrew Kellogg, Pierce Adams. Elaine, the one named Elaine. Mm. Ooh, like Madonna. Uh, Damien Miller, Quirty Hurty. Yeah, Quirty Hurty is just their name. <laughs> Quirty. Oh, okay. Why not? <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> Michael Bartley, Philip Banks, and Adam Void. Thank you what, so much. Ooh, for what, a, what a terrific surname. Yeah, Void. Void. Yeah. Into the Void. <laughs> welcome, welcome, you deep-pocketed individuals. Thank you so much for uh, sharing yeah. your hard-earned with us. Yes, it was, helps keep the show running. Now, Mr. Davis, we're going to get into our review of Beyond Blunderdome. When was the original air date in America? Do you have that one? Yes, uh, this actually aired on the 26th of uh, September, 1999. 19? We were all terribly worried about the uh, you know, Y2K and uh, yeah. what the future would hold. And little do we know, this was probably one of the last happy times in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Chopboard gag is Fridays are not pants optional, and the couch gag was the one that you mentioned earlier with the crudely drawn Tracy Ullman short version of The Simpsons on the couch. And they Indeed. all see each other and scream and run off. 
What does the episode kick off with? Let's see. Watching television? Yeah, commercial for the electric car. That is correct. Yes. And uh, Electorus is what it's called. Electorus. I'd buy that car. Anything with Taurus in it, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's it's probably the most masculine sounding of the of the astrological signs, I reckon. Yeah, it is. I think it just reminds me of dinosaurs as well. <laughs> <laughs> like Truckosaurus. Oh, yeah, exactly. But uh, gets, a, gets an ad for the electric car. Not that interested until the mention of the- The free, free gift. The free gift. What I also love is that he goes, my kids deserve to see me get a free <laughs> gift, as opposed to my kids deserve a healthy atmosphere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So they're at the uh, the Electorus. At the car yard? Is it the only place they sell Electoruses? I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it didn't look like a regular sort of uh, car show. No. Like that just looked like the uh, the place for Electorus. I did like that animation has sort of evolved a bit. I like seeing Homer's eyes at half-mast like that sometimes. Yeah. When it's kind of like, it always indicates that he's really not into he's this up all to, that yeah. much. Yeah. I also noticed that the animation was better watching this, because we've been going back and watching the originals for commentaries. Yes. The animation was much clearer and crisp on Disney Plus mm, with yeah, the, the widescreen enough. Yeah, obviously, must maybe they changed from the way they produced the show. I'm not too sure, but yeah, it was much easier on the eye to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, um, Lisa is proud of her father, and then she realizes, wait a minute, you're just here for the free gift. <laughs> <laughs> I still like the things you said about me. Then we get the moment you mentioned earlier with the burping. Thinking of saying goodbye to gas? You betcha. <laughs> Bart. Well, that shut me up. I remember that being used on the ad. For some reason, I don't know why oh, I remember for that. Real? I remember that being one of the selling points for the episode, hearing Marge fart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Homer's pretending to show interest. I love the, the little wink and a giggle as he's trying to pretend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I've, I've written down, <laughs> what kind of mint? Yeah. I think, yeah so, yeah, get, getting the spiel about the environment. Yeah, clearly. Mm, what kind of mint? <laughs> what was good about this um, electric car segment was it really had nothing to do with the episode. Well, it didn't at all. It was just a way no. to get the prizes, but they kept it short. So yeah. it didn't feel overbearing. It was just it was a reason to get the free gifts, and that's it. Yeah, and they you know it was fairly joke dense. I mean, they threw a fair bit of humour into there, both verbal and uh, and visual. I mean, I, I did like when they sort of ended up yeah crashing the crashing the car into the uh, into the bay or whatever it was. It burns and, and just electrocuting everything, including mermaids. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> and dolphins. You can't kill dolphins, man. Can't kill dolphins. You're a monster if you kill dolphins. As we said, 1999 was a different time. We weren't even down with killing dolphins then. But, Ever. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not cool. Um, I did also, when Marge says the the quiet engine allows for more conversation, I was like, that's just one of the things that's bad about it. <laughs> Are you like that in a car? It depends who you're with, obviously. But if you're going for a drive, sometimes I prefer just no speaking. Oh, absolutely. And I guess you know you're with the right person when it's comfortable to do that. 100%. Yeah. No, there's nothing like good conversation, but there's also nothing like, you know, good, comfortable silence. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it talks about confidence and ease in the other person's company. Yeah. So, um, it's very annoying, especially when you're like trying to watch TV or something and the other person's just talking, trying to talk to you about what you're watching. It's like, I'm aware. I'm watching it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying is, yeah, not really enhancing my viewing experience no. all that much. It's not like a director's commentary here. Uh, Homer drives it into the harbour, like you said, and, and yeah, it leaves it behind. I don't think this would ever be allowed, just ditching the car in that kind of- uh, No. <laughs> like, just on fire, it burns. It's always great when the Simpsons have the robotic or the electric- Oh, like, yeah. yeah when- why am I programmed to feel pain? <laughs> But yeah, you're right. It's 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 very much sort of very short, like, like minute and a half. Two let's minutes. just get through, let's just get through this. We need to get to the envelope that's got the prize. Yes, yes, and that's going to set everything in motion. So, so they're in bed. 
Yes, which we and we talked about earlier. It's like, hey, we didn't open that uh, that prize, which is the main reason we did this thing yeah. in the first place. <laughs> the whole purpose for the first two minutes of this episode. Yeah. I imagine they could have the writers could have probably worked out a way where it's like, yeah, Homer finds them. Let, yeah, let's well, let's open it instantly or whatever. Yeah, but they've got to be in bed because Marge has got to be turned on by Mel Gibson. So it makes oh, sense. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, she has to pounce on Homer. Yeah, yeah. But for them to sort of. Yeah, make a, a not a bad, uncomfortable joke, but just, oh, that's right. Yeah, we didn't do that. Well, maybe we should do that now and sort of play it out that way. I think it's just funny and it's certainly amusing in this case. What do you think of Homer's jealousy? It's believable. For example, I'll give you an example. Nicola loves Tom Hawkins, Geelong footballer, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't bother me. But sometimes when she's just like, oh, let's check out his legs, I'm like, I've got legs, legs too. <laughs> <laughs> I must confess, I mean, I think there'll be times I'll be watching some show with Lou or whatever and thinking, hmm, someone says attractive. I'll probably keep that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> because, he, well- you, Especially if you haven't farted in front of him yet. Well, either. true. <laughs> yes. But you know your partner and you love them and care for them. And uh, but the same time, you don't know how- And you, yeah, you think you know how you- each express it yourself. That's that's a seed you might not yeah. want to plant. True. <laughs> you, you never know if someone's going to be, yeah, misconstrued or you might sort of just phrase it indelicately or just the wrong way and they're like, oh, man, this is going to open a whole damn can of worms. So, mm. yeah, keep that one to yourself. The- <laughs> but, you know, in the case of Mel Gibson, who could keep their, their lusty desires to themselves? You couldn't. Marge certainly couldn't. No. And the fact the way she pounces on him, it's very similar to like, don't ask me why, but when people read Fifty Shades of Grey, oh, this yeah. was the result. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. People who basically set up their own red rooms. Not, really? not, 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 not quite as elaborate as that, but they, they certainly flirted with, uh, you know, some of the 50 shades. Tried to reenact. Like, I, I, That's I, extreme. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't go full S&M dungeon kind of thing, but they, I think they might have incorporated a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not naming names. <laughs> on it. <laughs> but now we get Homer, like Marge passes on Homer. Are you thinking about me, right? Of course. <laughs> Think about me? I am now. <laughs> People Magazine says he's a devoted father, goes to church every week, and likes to fix things around the home. Oh, let's make love. Yeah, okay. Uh, you're thinking about me, right? Of course, homie. Aren't you thinking about me? I will now. Is it okay to think about others during sex? Um, I don't think you're doing it right if you are. Nah. Like, if you have to think about something else, something's not right. Yeah. Well, that's just my opinion. No, that's certainly my opinion as well. I, I, I don't think- it, Yeah, I don't think you should be thinking about someone else while you're with someone. Unless- the, the thought never really occurred to me. I'm, I'm just happy to be here, man. You're just thinking <laughs> of rainbows and yeah. sunshine lollipops, yeah? <laughs> not, I dread to think what you're thinking of. Not lollipops, <laughs> you freak. <laughs> so, they're at the test screening. And can we book guy gets thrown out for leaking what would have been in 1999 a VCD over two discs? Very much, but it, <laughs> on two I think CDs around that time was also really. I remember when I first started thinking, well, the internet's a thing, as opposed to it was. I, there was actually a time when you thought, well, this internet's a funny new device or whatever, but you you could view it as possibly a fad. Yeah. Well, this is not going to replace TV or radio or anything like that. It's just sort so, of. So like, people just didn't think that was going to happen. Or? Oh, I don't know. I mean. It, this was clear in the very early days when people were just first starting to adopt it in their lives. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, but not everyone has access to computers and all that kind of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was around 97 or 98 when I first started paying proper attention to it. This thing's going to steal my job. Yeah. Actually, I didn't think that. I was like, oh, this will be a nice sort of, you know, sideline to that. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to me sleeping in a ditch. Um 
But, you know, being, and also being a film nerd, I was kind of looking at, at film sites. Like, there was one called Ain't It Cool News that was kind of the first uh, real film nerd psych site. And it was run by this big, overweight guy out of Texas. Okay. Uh, who basically looked like comic book guy. Really? Yeah. but also, tail and all? Y- yeah, I think. Mm, okay. You can look up Harry Knowles on uh, on Google and, yeah, you're basically looking at comic book guy. Anna Cool's thing was, yeah, we've got spies all over the place who are, speaking into, who are sneaking into test screenings and they'll give you the advance word on uh, Batman and Robin or, you know, Starship Troopers or the new Godzilla movie or whatever. This is the stuff the studios don't want you to know about there, blah, blah, blah. So for them to throw out comic book guy with his uh, all his spy grip was like yeah that's a very 1999 thing <laughs> i <laughs> so- had a mouse <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it just reminded me of there was always that one guy at every workplace that burnt dvds and he used to have like a, a oh yeah he had a, like a list of a couple of sheets of paper stapled together a list of movies and every friday he'd rock up with a garbage bag <laughs> 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 then we get jack burns and he is not doing the intern introduction he's actually a big deal so he greets the he audience is. here at this test screening good evening i'm edward christian assistant vp of finance and distribution at polystar pictures <laughs> Should have brought the camera. Also with me tonight are the dynamic duo, William Milo and Robin Hanna, who greenlighted all of Shaquille O'Neal's movies, including Kazam. Oh. <laughs> How's the popcorn, guys? Needs salt. <laughs> I did appreciate that they were popular for greenlighting all of Shaq's films. True. <laughs> Shaq starred, like, in, they were star vehicles for Shaq for a few films. I mean, Kazam, yeah, was one of them, where he was the genie. That's the only one I remember yeah. from my childhood. Was There's Kazam. one called Steel. I think Steel yeah. is like a DC character who's basically just a dude in a suit of armour. I don't know what else Shaq was in. He was in a basketball movie called Blue Chips, I think, that was actually like a proper drama about college basketball. Kazam was pre-Space Jam, right? I think so, Space Jam yeah. was 96. Kazam 95? Believe so, yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, I've, look, I've never seen Kazam. I don't think I've ever actually okay. seen a Shaq movie. Okay. <laughs> Honestly. Couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> no, <I> couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but, but this is where Christian explains the review cards. Basically, they're going to ask for their opinion and then go and change the film in line with what they want, basically. Because the people of Springfield represent the entire American community. It's something, it's something that happens. Gibson's hiding at the back. I, I did love here that the question. So, this is what sets up Gibson entering. So, Frank asks about Flubber. <laughs> <laughs> We then take your cards to Hollywood, California, <gasps> and change the movie based on your suggestions. Any uh, questions? Yes, over here. Thank you. <clears throat> Hi. Will there be any flubber in this movie? <clears throat> Glavin. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. Ah, for crying out, Glavin. It's a, it's a nice callback. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty good despite lack of flubber, Glavin. Yeah, <laughs> that delivery from Gibson was so great. It's very good. He's, yeah. he's got a good underrated sense of humour yeah. when it comes to that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and Marge asks, will Gibson be here? The whole why. He's off doing benefits for various diseases. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaks in the back. Also, Krusty passed on this role. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he mentions that he was able to fly in because he promised Travolta he'll help him move next <laughs> weekend. <laughs> he just asked me while we are in the air. What I love about it is that they come back to it later. Like, you're not ex- when he says, turn this plane around, you're not expecting Travolta? No. <laughs> and <laughs> even even, you should. Even if it is the dreadful voice, it's still pretty good. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, oh, man. You're going to help me move. <laughs> so, anyway, Gibson here, he's not very confident, though, is he? He's like, all I do is talk for two hours. I'm not sure whether they're going to yeah. like it or not. <laughs> uh, the dynamic duo here, they think Booty Call was fabulous. So, and Gibson's a bit worried. So, just taking jabs at the executives, basically. <laughs> Homer is bored during the screening, but the crowd were very happy with it, weren't they? Homer's just gone in not liking the film purely because of Marge. Exactly. 
<laughs> your movie was more boring than church. <laughs> that review was great. That's a really good line. Here we go. This is a real one. Your film was more boring than church. All you did was blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a pencil? Give it here. Yeah. Thank you very much. I love how polite he was. Yeah, that was, that was great. It's a, it's a good line to say to Gibson as well, given that uh, Gibson is kind of a hardcore Christian. <laughs> yeah. Also, your movie was more boring than church. That um, cause Everyone's obviously liked the film, but when Gibson tries to sneak out, I love that as Wiggum like, hey, it's Mel Gibson. Everybody, run over there. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, yeah, Homer gives him the um the bad review. He doesn't know about it yet. There's also a great. I don't know if it's a Hollywood inside gag or something, but they talk about Hollywood sex and was like Mel Gibson and Jack Valenti. Now Jack Valenti, I think, was like the head of the Academy of uh, yeah, yeah, he uh, was. Yeah. Et you look him up. He's not the most handsome gentleman. He kind of looks a bit- But he's powerful. He's very powerful, First absolutely. you get the power. That's true. Or the money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I don't think he was on the other issue of rating the super hunks. But no, still. that's for damn sure. Um, they're reading reviews on the plane on the way home. Everyone loved it. The four R's, but the, that fucking line delivery of despite the lack of flubber, glaving. <laughs> <laughs> and then they find Homer's. Come on, they can't all have loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it despite absence of flubber. Glavin? Oh, here we go. Your movie was more boring than church. All you did was yak, yak, yak. You didn't even shoot anybody. Damn, I knew it. Uh, don't do this to yourself, Mel. The guy's obviously a nut. Maybe. Maybe he's the only person with the guts to tell me the truth. Turn the plane around. I want to go to 742 Evergreen Terrace. But you promised to help me move. Oh, jeez. Landing the jet in the street, as, as movie stars want to do. And then the doorbell rings. And then Homer's Marge door. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's real. That's, Horrible husband. That's jackass Homer. Yeah, man. that is just like, come on, man. So, basically, why is Gibson come, guy? He's recruiting Homer. Basically, yeah. Uh, He's recruiting him for all the negative aspects of Homer's personality. Well, Mel's surrounded by yes men. He's too nice and too beloved and no one's going to lay- some wants someone who's rude and- Tell it like it is. Yeah. Yeah, because so, you know, it's hell being Mel. Yeah. So, he needs someone who's uh, going to be 100% honest with him and, well- Homer was the only one who would do that. Oh, he's like, I don't pay my taxes. They're paying for me. Oh, you poor <laughs> man. <laughs> um, but the, the, you mentioned earlier as well the, the line about this ring means she's my property. This just does not fly in 2020. Yeah, that kind of lands very awkwardly. It's, yeah. Yeah, we, we, know, know, we know what you're going for. It's we know just, Homer's meant to be a dope, but uh, yeah, still not good. He should, he, <laughs> even he should not think that that's okay to say, no. ever. Yeah, so we asked for Homer's help. And here, so Homer immediately switches tunes. He's gone from wanting to punch out Mal to, oh, my God, Mel Gibson wants my help. We're all very easily seduced by celebrity. Yeah. I think, it's not like a work worker talking about their boss behind their back. And then when the boss walks in, oh, hey, boss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us more about that interesting anecdote about your thoughts on who's destroying the country today. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff along those lines. Can't wait to hear it. Inside reference. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, it's off to Hollywood. Yes, it is off to Hollywood. And Marge, <clears throat> it's such a Marge thing. Hollywood, here we come. <laughs> I just love that they, they take the piss out of that because people always say that in film and TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no one ever actually says that in real life, though. You don't go, football, here, here we, we come. Or do people do that? If they do, they're not people you want to associate with. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are people who try to try to, you know, gin up a bit of enthusiasm. Like, Gardenia Park, here we come. Yeah. Thanks, Calm mom. down, mum. Yes, exactly. And, and Lisa, of course. <laughs> Hollywood, here we are. You don't have to do it every time. Yeah. Now, they <laughs> land at George Kennedy Airport. They do. Now, what's the references there, Mr. Davis? Uh, George Kennedy uh, was one of those Hollywood supporting actors. He was in the Naked Gun movies, but he was in the airport movies yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one that's just called Airport, Airport 1975, and he might have been in Airport 
79 colon the Concord. He may be. We should check IMDb for that. But yeah, but he, was, he was in those movies. Yeah. He was indeed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, rather than, uh, well, there's J- John F. Kennedy Airport in New York and there's George Kennedy Airport in Los Angeles. It's not actually an airport. But blink and you miss it, though. Blink and you miss it. Yeah. A little Hollywood uh, insider gag. Yes. And from there, it's off to uh, Polystar Studios, where there is no artistic integrity beyond this point. No. <laughs> Look, they're making a movie. Robert Downey Jr. is shooting it out with the police. I don't see any cameras. But now it's time for Homer to um, go hang out with Mel and in try the, and fix this film. In the editing room. His suggestions offering- are... Terrible, but hilarious. A terrible, yeah, but also not inaccurate in some ways. I mean, the hat montage that he mentioned was actually a thing for a while. Was early, it really? Yeah, you know, in early 90s Julia Roberts movies, I mean, I think there were at least two or three back-to-back where she sort of, I'm trying on new clothes. Oh, I'm having fun doing it. Here's me in a hat. Actually, they even do it in The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> well, they're probably, yeah, they're, well, they're either doing it for real or they're taking the piss. But uh, no, clothes montages were- Dumb and Dumber, does it? In, quite probably. In the Pretty Woman scene. <laughs> Well, that's the yeah, because Pretty Woman sort of kicked it off, and then but Julie Rose did it more than a few times, and she's like, I'm having fun with a hat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this opening scene should be in fast motion. Everybody likes that because it looks funny. I don't think so. Okay, here you need a musical montage where you try on lots of funny hats. It'll let us see your playful side. No. Yeah, but just no. Mel's starting to realise, well, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Yeah, even though Homer, uh, Homer does have one very good idea that uh, the cinemas did pick up on, seats with beverage holders. They, they, they did not have them back then? They weren't always there. Well, I don't I've know when always they sta- known them to be there. Yeah, well, that, that's one of the things about being older, Dan. You? <laughs> you remember the time when you had to actually hold your drink in your hand like a bloody savage. That would be uh, really annoying. It was a bit. Having to hold it there? Yeah. Something th- so simple. Then add popcorn to the mix. Yeah. You're holding two things. <laughs> what? Um, so the family are now on the Hollywood tour, and they get where the restaurant used to be. That's now in a homeless <laughs> area, and we get the Hugh Grant gag. Yes. And on your left is the notorious spot where Hugh Grant Ew. filmed the movie Nine Months. Yeah. Elaborate. Nine months. You. You. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now Homer is showing uh, Gibson his. Uh, oh, no, no, Gibson and Homer are showing the executives the new film. And they're pretty uh, excited for it. Gibson's a bit nervous, isn't he? He is a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah. Um, Now, there's a moment here when they're counting down and Homer says, here comes two. (laughs) That's a throwback to Grandpa saying it in the episode uh, Natural Born Kisses when they find the old Casablanca. Oh. And they're playing it and Grandpa says, here comes two. (laughs) I just love that. It's like a little family thing. Family tradition. (laughs) That's really, really appreciate that little throwback. But yeah, Guy, your thoughts on the remake? On the, the violent um, Mrs. Smith goes to Washington. Yes, uh, I think it betrays the, uh, the the message of the original. <laughs> I mean, um, it's funny. I was you know watching the uh, the very violent climax of Mel's remake of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Like, I think there's some stage where uh, some guy gets impaled on the uh, on the flagpole or something. Yeah, the senator. Yeah, and I was looking at the going. I'm pretty sure Mel Gibson actually did that in a real movie. Did he really? <laughs> I and then sort of did a little research because I thought he did it in the Patriot. That sort of. Um, I think it's a Civil War movie that came out the, yeah, year, yeah. the year later from, uh, you know, the guys who made Independence Day and all that kind of stuff. It had Heath Ledger in it. It was like one of Heath Ledger's first big yep. roles. And um, I was like, 
yeah, I'm pretty sure the bad guy got killed by Mel Impalium and like an American flag. Yes, yeah, like, maybe it was that. that was but a tribute he, to that, yeah, yeah. But no, he, he didn't. Okay, in the end. but I mean, um, but he does sort of ride. You know, he rides in a battle with this sort of hand stitched American flag, and it's yeah. all very. I'm pretty rah. sure I've seen that clip on the trailer or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very rah rah. But look, for the moment that the, yeah, the fact that there was doubt in my mind is like. Did Mel Gibson actually stab someone with an American flag? He probably could have done it. That sort of speaks about the kind of movies that he was making and the kind of love, persona I'd, that he had. I just love Homer's press hat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he gets a cameo in there as well. Yeah. Here comes two. Well, I'm not licked. And I'm going to stay right here and fight for this lost cause. Somebody will listen to me. Somebody will. I believe the senator has yielded the floor. (laughs) Yield this, Senator Payne. I move we impose some serious term limits. I second that motion with a vengeance. All in favor, say die. But also, I love that uh, you because I think, well, yeah, Mel Gibson's a pretty big Three Stooges fan. Is he really? Okay, so that's why he did it, is it? Yeah, okay. yeah. In, in the, I thought I it was think, a bit random to just have it in there, but it makes sense if he's a big fan. Yeah. I think uh, certainly in the first Lethal Weapon, there's a bit of whoop, 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 whoop. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think he sort of. Tries to fold a little bit into a few movies, but yeah, when the minute there's a whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not it's not Gibson without a Stooges riff. The executives are not fans at all, though, are they? Are they, they are what, so- Mister Smith, kill everybody? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'd think that they'd be all all in for a uh, you know a violent Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. That's, that's very patriot. I mean, yeah, like that's I said, the, the Patriot made a shit ton of movie next year, and that's about as subtle as being stabbed to death with an American flags. So. Yeah, it's, it's with the, the, like the dumb executives don't want this type of film. They want you know the nicer version. Yeah. Which, you know, I love that Homer's trying to stick up for a being smart. It was symbolism. He was mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they're not happy about it. I mean, they're saying, what is it? Do they say it's worse than Godfather 3? That was a great reference, wasn't it? That was pretty good. Which, which, hey, 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 hey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not say something we can't do Godfather 3 is actually not that bad. It's, okay. It's just not as good as one and two. It pales in comparison to one and two, which are, you know, among the finest movies ever made. And three is. Like, when has three ever been the best? Rocky three. You reckon Rocky three is the best? I don't think it's the best, but I think it's like it still holds up. Yeah, yeah but, but there's Return a lot- of the Jedi holds up. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of bad threes. Yeah, but, but see, uh, see, I guess Return of the Jedi wasn't so much a, a third movie in a trilogy. It was, but it was a continuation of the story. It was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now there's a. How do you feel about them calling it the Skywalker saga? You know, um, I think it's an it's excuse. Just to, branding. It really is an excuse to sort of sell you a, a nine DVD yeah. set <laughs> or a nine, a nine disc set. Also, they needed to do that because they need they needed to be able to say this is the end of the Skywalker saga. That's so a good we, point. we can fucking finally move on. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's close the book on this yeah, one. And there's going to be new. no more Luke, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. As much as you love him, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, so this was supposed to be their prestige film. He mentions Howard's End and Sophie's Choice. Now, guys. Explain why those movies are prestigious. Uh, well, let's see. They're based on sort of um, well-regarded novels. I mean, Howard's End. And, you know, they're, they're, they're the kind of movie that you maybe take your mum to back in the day. Although- They won Academy Awards. People in it won Academy Awards. That is true. I mean, Sophie's Choice is uh, one of Meryl Streep's early roles, which she's very, very good in it. Um, 
Yeah, they're kind of usually set a few years earlier and uh, people are wrestling, wrestling with, you know, tough emotional stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Mr. Smith actually won maybe one Oscar. It was nominated for like 11 okay. Back, okay. In, back in 1939, which was a really big, really good year for movies. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, anything with that sort of brand on it and the, and the Mel Gibson brand on it, he'd, he'd done well with the Oscars like with Braveheart a few years earlier. Yeah, okay. So, they're clearly and, thinking- And Emma Thompson won the other Academy Award. Oh, for, for Howard's for End, Howard's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've forgotten who- I don't know if Meryl Streep actually won for Sophie's Choice. She did, yeah. She did? Oh, yeah. She? Okay, then. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, well, Sophie's Choice is pretty rough stuff. I mean- mm. If you, the term Sophie's Choice has kind of entered the vernacular in some way if it's just a, like a, a really bad decision that you have to make because I'm not going to spoil what Sophie's decision choice. or Sophie's yeah, Choice yeah. is, but, yeah, it's pretty gnarly. The Gibson new version of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is not going to be a prestige film at all, is it? Probably not. I no. mean, I imagine the first, you know, 90 minutes or so would be stirring tale of, you know, the little guy and democracy and, you know, the system works and all that, and then it just turns into a bloodbath. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, says- but having said, I mean, we talked about Hacksaw Ridge earlier. I mean, that yeah. Mel Gibson movie that actually was nominated for, like, Best Picture and a few other things. You watch the second half of that where they actually go to Hacksaw Ridge. Is it intense? Bodies are getting blown apart. Oh, really? All, you know, limbs are getting ripped off. War is literally hell yeah. in this case. So, I well, mean- so, Look at um, 1917 got nominated. 1917. Yeah. Look, a lot of a lot of very violent movies do get nominated. But, yeah. yeah. They're also going to have a good story, though. They do. can't just be violence for the sake of violence. No, not as with- not in, in the, the White case House. of this, in the- <laughs> plus where he's doing the little Homer running yeah. around with the machine gun on the, on the table. Another great throwback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. Um, but here, Gibson says, "I make films for guys like him. Who are you anyway? <laughs> yeah, guys like me." <laughs> like the- I love the fact that Gibson just brought this guy in, never explained to the executives why he's there, but it's no Gibson. Him, he's yeah. the biggest star. He's just going to do what he says. Pretty much. <laughs> Um, and then Homer wants an executive producer role. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> What's more important, like producer or director, in your opinion? You know, producers are usually the the guys who sort of bring it all together. They're usually the ones who hire the directors. I mean, unless the director is really sort of well known or or brand name. But you know, producers are probably reduce, uh, responsible for. Okay, we need this person to do the music. We need this person to shoot it. We need, you know, this per- yeah, this guy's a pretty good editor. And uh, let's try and organise to get this actor and this actor and this actor. And yeah. there's a lot of logistics involved. Look, this is to the best of my knowledge. Whereas, you know, directors actually calling the shots on the set, the producers calling the shots behind the scenes. So, so the producer is not the director's boss. Pretty much, usually the case, and then the producer's usually answering to, answering to the studio or something like that. Yeah, I'd say the director's probably the most important person on set, and uh, the producer is the most important person off the set. Okay, cool. I reckon, but uh, look, that's <laughs> that's coming to you from the showbiz epicenter of Geelong. So, <laughs> you know, if someone's got a better uh, explanation, or feel, or feel free to disagree or contradict me in any way, folks, if you, if you think you're smarter than me. You think you're smarter than me? Probably are. No one does. <laughs> uh, Ed Christian grabs the the copy of the film and says, "We have to destroy this before anybody sees it." <laughs> um, and uh, they run off with it, don't they? Homer and Mel steal it, and they're off. And yes. it's a chase among around the. Um- the they're in a golf cart. Was it, was it the golf cart? What are those carts called? The ones that drive around the studio. I think they actually do call them golf carts. Yeah, it's like golf buggies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give us the film. Never. And on your left, you'll see Rainer Wolfcastle filming his latest movie, Saving Irene Ryan. You put me down, you big lummox kid! Shut up, old lady, and stop kicking me there! Watch out! Coming through! Homer! Where? 
landmine! I'm on it! Mr. Gibson. Night, Gus! Oh, I'm getting too old for this crap. Now, Gibson is about to give up, and which I thought was very un-Gibson-like. I feel like Gibson would be in for the fight. He wouldn't give up and, and let the executives win in real life. True, yeah, but uh, they've been saying, I mean, they've been hinting all the way through that he's a bit insecure and a bit- Yeah, that's uh, true. He has been insecure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he suggests the museum. Or home, is it Homer suggests the museum? Yeah, they do. Mm. It's just a nice way of um, having the stories intertwined because the family are there on their tour. The stories have finally come together. Yeah. <laughs> nice work, Mike Gully. Yes, and it felt organic. So, we mentioned- that, So, the Monkey Mobile was the other one I forgot, by the way. Herbie oh. the Love Bug, Dukes of Hazard generally, and the Monkey Mobile was the ones I forgot to mention in the trivia. A now, great you, eye for detail. You wanted to rant- about the Road Warrior car. I did. Well, that's the thing. I mean- Is it going to be old man guy or- It's very much so because, well, Mad Max 2, aka the Road Warrior, renamed the Road Warrior for the States. And then there was Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Thunder, yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure that the car that they call the Road Warrior car is actually a car from Beyond Thunderdome. I don't think we saw it in the Road Warrior, oh. aka Mad Max. Although, look, I might have to do a little revisit the whole thing. But honestly, God, I mean- the ca- it's surprising the- they would make that mistake, considering yeah. the episode's called Beyond Blunderdome. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to Google Mad Max 2 car, but continue. Well, it does, it's not the intercept that you see in Mad Max 2, but I'm, it just looks like one that I remember from Beyond Thunderdome. Okay. More well, sort of a big, not- a big jalopy kind of thing. Okay, well, it's not that one. I'm going to Google Mad Max 3 car, and you are right. It's the Mad Max 3 car. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to take back some of the nice things about you. I said about you, Mike Scully. <laughs> Unless, I just love that you're sitting there going, that's not right. That's not, that's not quite correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder how they made the mistake. Oh, look, I, I, th- I think they probably needed a, a car that's a bit more wide open than they need to fit everybody on. But so. why wouldn't they just call it from Mad Max 3? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 Who this knows? Is, this is why we're doing a podcast about The Simpsons and those guys are making The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. But anyway, um, it was just uh, what I did like was that they used, were able to use the fact that they were in the car with the dummy. Later on, yeah. with the chase. <laughs> but nobody sells tickets. Yes. But if you could have put that if you put that in the trailer, I can't remember what the commercial was like, but if you put that in the ad, you could have very easily made it out like they actually killed Gibson. True. Before you actually went in watching it. Because the dummy looked like Gibson. It did, yeah. yeah. I mean, I initially thought, well, wow, what's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> so, they take the Road Warrior cars, we said, and um, it's just cool to have see Gibson behind the wheel again. It is. There are some actors, it's good to see them holding a gun yeah. or, or holding a steering wheel. I'll tell you what, the late Paul Walker of the of Fast and Furious fame, he wasn't much chop as an actor, let's let's be honest. The dude looked good driving a car. Mm. He, he looked like he was legitimately enjoying himself. He knew how to sort of pull good driving faces, like, I'm, I'm pulling one now. You can't see it. But, uh, <laughs> but in real life, he just loved driving cars. He did, yeah. yeah. So, it sort of bled through. And yeah, and there are some people who just look good doing certain things and man. Mel's one of them. Gibson being an action star, yeah. Yeah. Gibson wants to give up again, but this is where we get Homer's movies aren't stupid speech. (laughs) Uh, Forget it, Homer. Let's just give him the stupid movie. Movies aren't stupid. They fill us with romance and hatred and revenge fantasies. Lethal Weapon showed us that suicide is funny. That really wasn't my intention. Before Lethal Weapon 2, I never thought there could be a bomb in my toilet, but now I check every time. It's true, he does. Movies mean that much to you, Homer? They're my only escape from the drudgery of work and family. No offense. But uh, Gibson agrees to get going. Everyone drives, and the whole family drives off in the car. And we get Adam West here, but I forgot to mention before. Yeah. Now, is it I don't actually- think it actually is Adam no. West. 
but someone doing a very good Adam yeah, West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a better Adam West than it is Dorella, but no, I'm not even going to try to do an Adam West, but uh, yeah, that <laughs> Adam, Adam West and Burt Ward, I think. Now, you mentioned at the start that you love the Chinese man's theatre. I think, I think <laughs> it's just a nice little throwaway joke, certainly. <laughs> but they're just driving through Hollywood. Um, Bart wants his picture taken. And Marge has wasted the last photo on Judge Judy. You just know this was made now. There'd be so, all just phones out. It just it just bothers me how when things are happening now, everyone has to pull their phone out. Oh yeah. But just enjoy the moment. Yeah. Mel Gibson's fucking driving down the streets of Hollywood on some fucking Mad Max three car. <laughs> just check it out. Just, <laughs> yeah, take, go wide. Take it in. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gibson. This this was almost one of my favourite moments. Let me try something. Take the wheel, Lisa. But my dad. I said you. <laughs> <laughs> And he's got his real Mel Gibson. I take you. Yeah. Like, he clearly, A, wanted to do the show and really put in a solid performance. Oh, yeah. And I think his performance on The Simpsons is one of his most, well, one of the most underrated guest appearances ever. I think like, it's Whenever you hear of, like, best guest appearances, you never hear of Gibson. But this was fantastic. It was, yeah, just appealing all the way through. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's very, very funny. It's very likable. Yeah. yeah it's, it's good stuff. And the, the writers understand him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the executives think they've got them. Oh no! We killed Mel Gibson! You all saw it. He came at me with a knife, right? Wait a minute. He's just a dummy! I know, but he sells tickets. Let's go. Now, how do they stop them from uh from getting them? Oh, with butt. With butt. Yeah. <laughs> Mel's, Mel's butt was a very big deal. <laughs> was it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a scene in the first Lethal Weapon where he sort of wakes up in his, in his crummy trailer and he wakes up and he's completely nude and sort of walking around like, oh, Mel's in good shape. Ooh. And yeah, he's clearly been working the glutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think for a while they were like, ooh, that Mel Gibson's dream. I mean, that's probably one of the things that makes him made him a super hunk. But, uh, yes. And uh, he, I think he showed it on a fair few occasions and- uh, yeah, I just like, I don't recognise Mel Gibson, but anyway, I don't know who those other two guys are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Also there, there, are you okay? I think so. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible stopping power, that butt. <laughs> and we get the, uh, the, the new screening, and the crowd absolutely hate it this time. They do. A, a Gibson-Simpson joint, by the way, because uh, mm. Spike Lee, who was very big at this time, mm. he, he, I think he was the first and maybe only filmmaker who would say he would bill his films as a Spike Lee joint. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, rather than, you know, at the start, it would say like a Martin Scorsese picture or a, you know, a, or a Steven Spielberg film. It's like, it's a Spike Lee joint. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very sort of, I don't know if he still does it, but yeah, certainly from his first movies on, they were- it became such a thing that you could take the piss a little bit, and you know, <laughs> if a very white person is making it, like it's an Adam Sandler joint or something. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was a nice little throwaway gag as well. I want to do a podcast on Adam Sandler one day as well. About just about how his career resurgence. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because he was at the bottom of Hollywood in regards to uh, like not star quality, but just quality. Yeah. And I feel like he's really starting to earn the respect of people. Well, he's, he, it, it's, it sort of comes in ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll make something really- uh, That stand-up was fucking serious. hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Netflix uh, is it phone, wallet, keys. If you, <laughs> if you haven't YouTubed that, guys, by the way, if you haven't got Netflix, go on YouTube, look up phone, wallet, keys. It's yeah. fucking hilarious. But to do that and then uncut gems at the same time, yeah. like, well, this guy's got a lot more going on than you thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll, um, we'll do that in another podcast. But yeah, stay tuned for the Adam Sandler uh, tribute podcast. <laughs> so, no one likes it. Jimmy Stewart's granddaughter is going to sue them. Mm. 
And then does she slap someone in the face? Does she, she slap slaps Mal? I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Homer's what is that? We should have used a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and as as Gibson points out, I guess there's no room in today's crazy gentle America for violent dinosaurs no. like us. Homer thinks that the the partnership's still on. Gets into the car with him. He's pitching ideas. One of which wasn't bad. I can't remember. Oh no! And actually, they're all bad. They're all pretty bad. I just uh, Indiana Jones. Does anyone own the rights to that? <laughs> Mel, I fell out. <laughs> it did, oh, he does pitch it. What about a prequel? Everybody loves prequels. And this was around the time that- um, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So, I thought, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Star um, Wars came out in the June, I think, prior. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but the same year, absolutely. And then um, I think, oh, oh, that's a pretty- I mean, yeah, it gets thrown out of the car. He's sort of like, Mel, Mel, throw it out. And like, eh, is that how you end? It's not a bit of a soft ending. Cue the dog. Cue the shifty dog. <laughs> don't, don't, and it works. Don't. It's so. It's actually. I don't know why. It's just so funny. It is. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've have they only sort of alluded to the shifty dog once in the in the thing. Well, Homer says you should have a shifty, shifty dog, dog doing this. Yeah, that and, way you know he's bad. Yeah, <laughs> and then <laughs> about and, halfway through the episode, I think. So, yeah, yeah, and then just at the end, where he goes, "We should have had the dog." dog. Yeah. yeah, the dog works. The dog does actually work. <laughs> it's it's an it's just a good note to end on. <laughs> And then we roll the credits. But if you stick around till the uh, very end of the credits, over the Gracie, you hear a- Oh, do you? You do. Ah, oh, fuck. I should stop. I shouldn't have done that. That's right. But I'm, pr- I'm trying to remember which of the Stooges does that. I think it's Curly. Curly. It's Curly. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, there we go. So, but, uh, overall, yeah, like I said, a great performance from Gibson um, and Burns as well. We can't forget Burns. Um, enough re- references from um, for film nerds to appreciate, but also just a solid story that didn't really need a B-plot. I don't think it did. A good season opener. Sets Star the- power. It's yep. funny. Yeah. It looks good. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's got the good combination of uh, verbal gags and visual gags. Now, there's a lot going on in this episode. Thumbs up. Javel! Javel is here! Ooh. Jonathan Rossi. He's a fun one. Ooh. Who is one celebrity, living or dead, that you would love to go on an adventure with, similar to what Homer went on with Mel Gibson? Robin Ooh. Williams, circa 1981. Oh, yeah. On a bender. Imagine a Robin Williams bender in the 80s. Oh, good Lord, yeah. That, oh, and he'd be coked to the gills and yeah. just operating on double speed. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, imagine a car ride, but Belushi and Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. You'd be Can lucky you imagine? To, you'd be lucky to make it through the night. Oh. <laughs> um, I reckon- um, Someone to go on an adventure with. Yeah. This is going very, very old school, but, uh, you know, the, like the original Rat Pack, like Sinatra and Sammy mm, Davis yeah, yeah. Jr. and that. I mean, you know, hanging out in Vegas with those guys and Dean Martin. and They were just so fucking cool. Oh, exactly. Yeah, you know, you treat yourself to a sharp suit. and yeah. Have you seen Sinatra and Dean Martin? I think it's on Jim on Johnny Carson. I have not. I actually saw Sinatra live. Bullshit. I did. Wow, where? Yeah, um, it was at the, I think it might be Margaret Court Arena now, but it was, uh, this was back in like 88 or 89. I was like fresh out of high school. I didn't realize that venue's been there for so long. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it was, it was, it was like, well, yeah, one of those big Melbourne sporting venues, but uh, yeah, it had been turned into a, you know, an arena for this thing. I think it was Sinatra, Liza Minnelli, and I, th- I don't know if Sammy Davis was still alive then, but there were three, three of the big names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a few uh, friends of mine, you know, we're, we're only young, we're about 19 or so, but we were fancied ourselves as, you know, sophisticates. So we were in coat and tie. We're way, way up in the nosebleeds. I mean, you, it could have been bloody wax figurines of, yeah. you know, Sinatra on that for all, yeah, yeah. for all we could say. Plus, it was stinking hot. It was like summer. Okay. It was like 40 degrees and we're undercover. Indoors? Uh, yeah, yeah, and up near yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the top. We're like, I think this might have been a bad idea. <laughs> but, you know. But then Sinatra comes out. But having having said that, you get to be, you know, in the same room as Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so, pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, maybe that influences my decision. But, yeah, that's mine. Um, yeah, um, A Night with a Rat Pack in Vegas. 
circa 1957. Early 60s, late 60s. Yeah. Fucking Vegas. That would have been fantastic. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just their ability to be able to just put on a show on the spot. You know Absolutely, what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but, but, oh, man, but hanging <laughs> out with Belushi and Robin Williams and on a know, the Shadow Marmot in the <laughs> early 80s. Oof. <laughs> Okay, so Andrew Parker, what film would be most improved by the addition or removal of a shifty dog? <gasps> mm. A shifty dog. Shifty dog. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. Um, Knives uh, Out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say JFK and have it lurking around the grassy oh. knoll. <laughs> yeah, this dog trotting away from the grassy knoll. Like, Ooh, there's another suspect. <laughs> but Knives Out is a very good. Does it already have a shifty dog or no, it's just got a friendly dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. Didn't do the eyes. <laughs> I'd love it doing a little shift off with with Daniel Craig, sort of. Brian Daniel Johnson, Cra- if you're listening. Yeah, that, yeah we, we've heard you're making a sequel. Get a shifty dog in there. And I feel like Knives Out is one of those films where it would work. It would, actually. <laughs> It'd be so absurd. <laughs> Look at the dog. It's the dog, oh, I dude. tell you. <laughs> No, that's a very good one. Uh, Brandon Twitcher, what's his question? What movie ending would you change? Why and how would you change it? Jesus, that's a pretty open-ended question. Oh, man. Let's come back to that one on another episode, you reckon? I reckon so, yeah. But it's, it's, question, it's, it's only a good question, yeah. yeah. But, um, it's one you don't want to just throw out an answer no. to. Harry Leach says, and this is one, it's one for you. You're the movie guy. What's your favourite movie remake ever? Ooh. I'm very partial to John Carpenter's remake of The Thing. Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's such a great movie. And the original's really good, too. It's very much a sort of a 1950s monster movie, but, you know, pretty smart and got good dialogue and good characters and all that. But, yeah. you know, the thing about a good remake is it takes the core idea and takes it in a, not a completely different direction, but, you know, does something new Fe- with it. feels familiar, but also different, yeah. Yeah, very much. I mean, you know, we had a rash of horror remakes and other remakes in the early 2000s. And like, oh, you, you know what re- my, my most disappointing ones was that I was really amped for was War of the Worlds. It was a bit of a letdown. I just, you? No, it was just, I get, it's, it's a Spielberg film. Yeah. So, it's Spielberg's take on War of the Worlds. But I went there for fucking Independence Day and I got a family film. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And like when the sun runs over the hill into the giant ball of flames and somehow he beats them back home. Yeah, a bit confused about that and all honesty. There's, there's, I think there's a lot to like in War of the Worlds, but yeah, it's, yeah, with the Spielberg name and the Cruise name, you may, you may be expecting something different yeah. and a little bit let down. You're right. I know it is a good remake and people will shit can me for this. The Aladdin re- remake, the live action. Did you? Yeah. It's, I what did you like about it? I thought the music was better than the original. Really? I will stand by that. If you fucking put the original soundtrack on and the new one, the new one is so much more Bollywood and just loud okay. and vibrant. And it's just, I thought Will Smith. Do you like Big Will? Yeah. I thought he shut the critics up because everyone was mm. chicane the special effects. And I kept saying, and I was guilty of that, but I, caught, I sort of had in the back of my mind, maybe they haven't finished yet. Maybe the yeah. special effects aren't quite up to where they need them to be. He looks fine in the movie. And I thought he brought his own unique twist to the genie character, and Absolutely. that's what he needed to do. Absolutely. I mean- He couldn't try and be Robin Williams. No, no. And I mean, I think there aren't many uh, actors around who have that sort of larger-than-life personality yeah. that could actually do justice to the role and do their own thing at the same time. I mean, yeah, I don't think there are many sort of, yeah, big-name actors who could actually do that. And I think he's probably, yeah, probably the only one, in mm. all honesty. Well, he, so, yeah. I think it's a good option because he also appeals to the demo who saw the original Aladdin. That's true, yeah. You know, the only thing I feel like they missed out on was- so, you've seen the film, obviously. Mm-hmm. When he's going through the different outfits for Prince Ali, he should have cut to him in the Fresh Prince, <laughs> Prince Bel-Air outfit. <laughs> that should have been done. It would have been good. <laughs> it's a nice touch. Uh, one more question. Let's go for one more question. Mm-hmm. 
This one's from Jet Gordon. Okay, it's a bit of a longer one. Was this The Simpsons warning us back in 1999 that Hollywood will run out of original ideas and they will simply just start making re- start remaking perfectly good films and it will always end poorly? Some reboots are good, but I'd prefer they didn't extend these old licenses. Mm, yeah, it's a good question because- um- It's like those new Star Wars films. I was so excited, but by the third one, I was like, I wish these weren't here anymore. Yeah, sometimes you think- <laughs> The idea is good, but then once it's- but once it arrives and you watch it and you go, I didn't really need that. Yeah, we're not getting sequels so much or, or remakes so much these days as reboots. Yeah. I mean, they're sort of taking, oh, hey, remember the stuff you like from the original? We're going to bring some of these older actors back and, you know, but we'll start off on a whole new story that'll be pretty much the same as the old story. The female Ghostbusters was a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, certainly the the, the new Star Wars trilogy is a, a really good example of the that. The new Men I mean, in Black films? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean- like, That wasn't a bad movie, but it just was an unnecessary movie. I thought it was a bad movie. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't- <laughs> I mean, I, there's, I didn't, I, there's, there's one or two good examples of it. I mean, I thought, like, the first Creed, for example, I mean, I think that's a, that does a really good job of bringing together all the stuff from, you know, the Rocky universe yep. and finding a new way or a new character through which to express it. Pills to old and new fans, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I didn't think much of Creed too. I thought they were trying to sort of fold too much of the old stuff in there. It's like- no, no, this guy's off on his own journey now. Now, admittedly, Drago did kill his dad, so it would be interesting having- Spoiler. Him, him, him. Who wouldn't think- Well, I think a lot of people <laughs> haven't seen Creed too. But the gist of it is um, Creed has to fight the son of the man who killed his father. So, that, yeah, that, look, that's pretty interesting. But at the same time, it's like, oh, no, you're relying too much on stuff that's happened in the past. Move forward. Yeah. yeah. So, What do you think of J.J.'s Star Trek series? I liked him. I thought I, he did a good job. I, yeah. I really did. Yeah, I think he was. I think he, he makes he made those films enjoyable for people who don't want to like the old Star Trek. Because yeah. I think Star Trek's one of those ones where Star Wars is more appealing, in my opinion, than Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Star Trek still has that stigma of oh, it's just for the real super nerds, which yeah. I still think it kind of is a Star Trek franchise. That's the. I mean, I've never really got into many of the TV series at all. I mean, yeah. and yeah. not that I. No, it wasn't by choice. I just. It, I just didn't gravitate gravitate yeah. towards it. You know so, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was always more a Star Wars guy than a Star Trek guy, but I liked his movies a lot. Yeah. It's Chris Hemsworth's start, wasn't it? The first Star Trek? He was, yeah. Wasn't he? He, he was, was Cat, He was Kirk's his dad. dad. yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think they were going to sort of try and pull some tricky time travel stuff and Hemsworth will be back for the fourth one, but I don't think they're doing that now. Okay. Yeah, look, in response to this question from- the, This question here was from Jet Gordon. Yeah, Jet. Yeah, look, I think, you, I think you've got a point. Uh, yeah, it was part of indicating that, originality was going to be running a bit low at and some stage. Was it in 1999? Um, didn't really feel that way in honesty. I mean, look, a lot of people regard 99 as one of the best years for movies ever. And if you look- Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, well, got, there's a whole- Was that Fight Club? That- Fight Club's that year. The Matrix is that year. Oh, of course, The Matrix, yeah. There's actually a book out. I think it's called Best Movie Year Ever. I mean, that title's a bit of- comic book guy hyper- yeah, yeah. hyperbole but uh it sort of looks at you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of really good movies and a lot of original movies that came out that year iron giant is uh, 1999 of course it is yeah yeah so you say that because there's a giant iron giant statue it's, he's looming over <laughs> me saying don't forget me yeah. <laughs> disney weren't really in their prime in 99 though no i mean i think they're they're Big animation thing had sort of hit its peak with Lion King, and now we're kind yeah. of in the Hercules, Her- Mulan, yeah. was '98, I think. Yeah, Tarzan era, which yeah. you know, all perfectly fine, but yeah, you know, far from the, a bit far from the glory days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Pixar was coming in. Was Toy Story Two is is nineteen ninety nine. That's ninety eight. Is it? Yeah, ninety five, ninety eight. Oh, my mistake. Sorry, I believe. I, I, I don't want to question you because I feel I'm nervous. No, now. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> but it, it was around that time anyway. Yeah, so- Toy Story Two came out in. 
1999. You are correct, sir. Why would I have a quote? This is why, this is why guys, you never question Guy Davis. <laughs> you please often question Guy Davis. <laughs> um, yeah, but in terms of, I mean. Did, just sorry to interrupt. Did you know Toy Story 2 has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes? For real? Yeah. I don't think it's, I've it's, watched it, Toy Story 2 in a long time. I think it's probably not. I don't know if it's the saddest one. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I remember rem- not liking it as much as when I was a child, when it first came out, not liking it as much as the original. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. But as far as Pixar stuff goes, I mean, everyone talks about like that scene, the opening scene of Us or, or Up, oh, sorry. That's a wholly different movie. I knew what you meant, though. Yeah, yeah but that- Holy uh, shit. As like, uh, but I mean, the song- um, is it When She Loved Me in, uh, in Toy yes. Story 2? Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much as, you know, just a belt of the heart as, yeah. as much. So, Pixar um, are so good at that. Oh, they're very, very good at that. That closing, I've mentioned this all the time in the podcast, that final sequence, not the final sequence, but close to it in Toy Story where you think they're all going to get melted. Oh, yeah. Holy Christmas, man. <laughs> it, it, it does a number on you. They're, yeah. a lot of the, a lot of, they're really, really good at that kind of thing. There was a moment in the cinema where I'm sitting next to Nicola going, they're going to do it. They're going to kill these fucking characters. I, and my heart started racing. I was like, <laughs> you can't do this to me. Anyway, continue. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't really until well, the early 2000s that um, we got things like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yes. the Harry Potter franchise. and there were, yeah, oh, Was well, it 2001, yeah. Harry Potter, the first I think film? so, yes. And that was when the first Lord of the Rings was as well. Yeah. yeah. And we got the uh, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> Which we thought was going to be a, yeah. a huge franchise and wasn't. Yeah. But um, I think that was the stage when, it, like, hey, rather than have- Sequels that are sort of only a bit related to one another. Let's have huge sagas. Yep. The MCU was probably in, in the planning stages before that. But, was uh, Iron Man 2008? I mean, it was 2008. Yeah. yeah, okay. But, you know, X-Men was coming out. And I think that of course, was X-Men. Yeah, it was 2000. As well. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I think that, yeah, the, you're right. This was around the time when they were starting to think, yeah, let's try to lock these people in for eight movie sagas or, you know, at least a trilogy. Yep. So, um, yeah, look, it was probably an indication of where things were going. I feel like and look, we're sort of saying here that, you know, they're going, that we consider this the reboot era. But in 20 years from now, we'll probably look back and go, oh, fuck, wasn't, weren't movies, oh, yeah. they don't make them like they used to. They don't, make, <laughs> they don't reboot films like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, guys, that is our review of Beyond Blonde I hope you enjoyed Oof. this marathon of a, of a review. It was fun. It, it has been indeed, yes. Uh, we'll, look, we and might, we might try to keep th- it. Thank you for taking this seat and keeping this show going. Oh, I really do appreciate it. I'm man, really look, excited to see where we can take this show now. I'm, I'm very excited to be part of it. Thank you very much for letting me uh, yeah, pack my uh, comfortable bum here. <laughs> um, in further episodes, we might try to tighten it up a little yeah, bit. I'll try not to, to come out with a bang, bit. basically. Yeah. <laughs> You've certainly got the family Six-hour show. Family-sized <laughs> bag of chips with this uh, with this uh, opening episode. Uh, but, look, pleasure to be here. And, yeah, let's uh, we'll just keep filling your ears with uh, delightful, delightfully creamy content. Yes, and don't forget, guys, you don't have to be a patron to contribute to the mailbag. So send your questions through to mailbag at fourfigurediscount.com.au. We, Guy and I will read each and every uh, question that gets sent through. And we'll Dando will. On the air. <laughs> Dando will. <laughs> and, I'll read them. And we'll answer them on the air. Uh, thank you guys once again for listening. Next week, we're going to be reviewing Brother's Little Helper. Now, this episode is where Bart gets put on drugs, like a Ritalin kind of drug, mm-hmm. uh, after he's diagnosed with ADHD. So, far more serious in the uh, Mel Gibson episode. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's very sort of like Bart thinks he's... A, this conspiracy is going around. That's what this episode's about. <laughs> we look forward to uh, discussing it with you at that time. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you once again. Guy, any final words for the listeners? Yes, indeed. They may take our four fingers, but they'll never take our discount. Shh.